You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Coach Brett Blankner with another great episode of Zen and the art of triathlon. Hey, we got a really cool guest this show, Olaf Dahlner. Who's Olaf? You may have never heard of him before. You're never going to forget him after this interview. This is crazy. Olaf is a winner of a quintuple Ironman and also the champion of two Spartan death races, maybe three. I think in the interview he says whether he's won two or three. So a quintuple Ironman is where you do five Ironmans in a row, nonstop. And the, the pattern for this one was you do the swim first, all of the swim, and then all of the bike, and then all the run. So it's a 10K swim, which is, uh, no, it was like a 12-mile swim, I think. 12-mile swim, and then you do a 500-and-something-mile bike ride. And believe me, at the end of that bike ride, those somethings really start to hurt. And then a 120-something-mile run. <laughs> and he won it. Now, it's a small entry field because only a few people are crazy enough to try something like this. But his advice and his tips on how to how to go long is usable for all distances, right? Because he's obviously mastered endurance sports. And then also these Spartan death races are they're they're so difficult because there is no finish line. They keep pushing everybody and pushing everybody to keep going until a certain percentage is has quit and only, you know, like five or ten percent is left. And if you're one of the last ones standing, then they go ahead and call the race and decide who won. And there's a winter version and a summer version. And we talk about this at length. It is just crazy. I'm super excited to bring Olaf to you from his science lab, no, no kidding, in, in New York City via Skype. It's a really cool call. And then after that, we've got some emails and some fun stuff. And then I take you with me on the training log, which culminates in me going on a back-to-back long-run weekend where two days in a row I run 17 and a half miles on trails. And I'm training for the Rocky Raccoon 50. And on day one, I try a fuel called Vitargo. And then on day two, I try basically uh, cake icing, which is maltodextrin and maltodextrin powder and um, Gatorade mixed together. And yeah, it's like cake icing. And I compare the two and you'll be really interested in the results of one, uh, you know, really expensive, scientifically uh, validated in a lab uh, product versus uh, another really cheap and um, very available a resource on three-hour runs back to back, and it gets really, really interesting. That's that ends up uh, wrapping up the show for us. So let's go ahead and get started with our interview with Mr. Olaf Dahlner. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. 
Hey. Hey, man. How's it going? Hey. Hey. Cool. All right. I'm here with Olaf Dahlner. Hey. Hey, how's it going, Brett? Uh, it's going really well, man. I've been looking forward to this interview for uh, for quite a while, man. You are. Uh, my questions are gonna kind of skip all over the place because you've done so much, like <laughs> you've done such a variety of things uh, that yeah, it's been a mix. That um, I I don't even know where to begin, <laughs> except that um, you were interviewed on another podcast that I was listening to, and it was so impressive that. <laughs> I was like, blush. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. but I, people are going to be like blown away by this. And I, uh, I went to look for a picture of you just to see what you look like. Right. Cause it was an yeah. audio podcast. Yeah. And then you were wearing this Amrita shirt. <laughs> and I was oh like, yeah. yeah, and, I, yeah. and I thought, Oh my God, I bet he knows, uh, Arshad. Yeah. And, uh, so then, uh, I emailed Arshad who owns Amrita and he said, yeah. "Oh yeah, I know Olaf. Olaf's a great guy, man. You should you should uh, get in touch with him." And uh, uh, that's awesome. And I thought, "How has Arshad not told me about you before? Because this is pretty cool." So, so how you doing? What? Good. What? I'm actually good. I'm in my lab right now because you know I do research. So yeah, yeah. We're gonna. I want to ask you about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, it's real, right? You really are a, a researcher. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. All right, let me see. You are, I, I think we'll start off, well, we'll start off with the races. You've done, yep. you won a quintuple Ironman after only doing, I don't know if it's only, but after <laughs> doing two half Ironmans. Then, uh, it's, yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Okay, so then you you didn't go do an Ironman after that. You went and signed up for a quintuple, which is a five Ironmans in a row. And I want to ask you a lot about that. And yes. then you did a, um, you've done the Spartan death race, a which few times, yeah. is the most insane race I've ever heard of. And, uh, you won it at least twice. Did you win it a third time? Yeah. I kind of split a win with a guy named Joshua. For one okay. of the winners and yeah so. okay so then and then um you got a whole bunch of other things that, that we want to cover but let's go ahead and uh cover the quintuple iron man <laughs> so when and where was that uh it was uh so so that's a year and a half ago i guess it was in october so that's 2000 i mean it's a new year 2013 okay in october yeah, yeah. and where it was in uh, virginia like uh, it's called Lake Anna State Park, I believe. Okay. Yeah. It's really nice. Super nice little park. Waters. Yeah. The lake's really nice because it's kind of tempered water. And yeah. Just, Steve Kirby is the guy who, who does those races. They're called Anvil now, and they're great races. It's a so lot of fun. how do they set that up? Is it do you do all the swim at once, or can you do however much you want, or what do, what do you do? Yeah. So traditionally, like in ultra triathlon, there, there are kind of two ways of doing it. Uh, sometimes they do it that you do like one Ironman a day, basically. And then you have time off for the next day you start a new Ironman. But this is what we call like a continuous, yeah. which means that you do all the swim, you do all the bike and you do all of the run. And I kind of prefer that way. It's, it's, uh, it becomes a bit of a challenge because obviously like the swim becomes pretty long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So, yeah. So you you do the entire swim. Yeah. So it was five Ironmans. Yeah. yeah. It's a twelve mile swim. I mean, it's laps. So about thirty laps in the, around buoys in the in the mm-hmm. lake. About how long does that take? Uh, well, the thing is, like, I'm not the best swimmer. Right. <laughs> I'm decent, you know, but I'm not a natural swimmer. I've always been a runner, and so right. I kind of learn how to swim. But uh, so it took me like I believe it was eight and a half hours. Holy! I think cow. it was eight and a half hours. Another, a friend yeah. of mine that was in there in the race too, Andy. I think his was like six hours or five and a half. But he's a swim coach, so. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so then you have to have a support crew handing you fuel, or do you just come on shore and get fuel? Uh, yeah, and they put out like a little. Uh, I think they put they put like a little floaty there or something where you could like put your bottles on. You can also your crew can kind of walk out yeah. to like waist deep and like give you bottles and stuff. But okay. I didn't use that much nutrition doing that first swim really. But there's not a so. there's not a kayak like support. It's there were they they did some people were kind of took a long time so it started getting dark and then they broke out some kayakers yeah. Oh, but okay. this, it's kind of laps kind of close to the shore so they can see all people at all times. Yeah. Obviously, that's easier, like, logistically. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then yeah. – <laughs> this is crazy. I love this, uh, by the way, but it's crazy. <laughs> okay. So then you um, then you bike 10 Ironman bikes in a row right yeah. after the swim, as soon as you get out of the swim? Oh, you so just... it's, f- it's five Ironman bikes. So yeah, five. I'm sorry. So, uh, so it's uh, – yeah, so you get out of the swim. Uh-huh. I kind of just – washed off quick and got my bike clothes on and then it's a 560 mile bike <laughs> and it's it was kind of my it is my numbing like yeah. when you think about it i mean once you're in it once you're yeah. in the zone and doing it you don't really think about stuff yeah. like that but yeah, before and like after you go like that was kind of crazy it's, so it's a two and a half mile uh bike out and back on a road yeah so you do 112 laps basically of a two uh, and a half mile out and back yeah and so, and it, the, 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 the sucky, I mean, the, the, the hard part was like it rained continuously for two days during uh, the entire bike or three days. Yeah. So we we're biking in the rain for two days and like the turnarounds are like kind of downhill. Yeah. And there's just like a cone on the road. So it's like completely stop your bike every two and a half miles and turn around a road That's cone. That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Did they do that on purpose, you think, to make it <laughs> No, harder? not really. It's just the way the park looks. But because every turnaround is like downhill. You have to completely stop your bike downhill and yeah. turn around and then start going uphill. Every it, every year I do a self-supported Ironman. I've done it for 10 years. And, oh, yeah, it's awesome. And one year uh, on the bike course, I made a turnaround. It was only like four times. It wasn't 112 times. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, four times there was a turnaround that had a – um, I marked it on the side of the road with flagging. Um, yeah. But the turnaround happened to be at the bottom of a hill, and one of my friends was so mad. He's like, "I got to come to a complete stop and then like go back uphill yeah, again." Yeah, it's just it's mind yeah. numbing when yeah. you do it because you all you can think about is like how much speed you lose. Yes. Like, yeah. You know, okay. Like, oh. Okay, that's nuts. Yeah. So like that's all through the night. So you have to do use bike lights, or did they have the road lit yeah. up? Yeah. It's like these are the things you kind of got to plan out before. Actually, bike lights are kind of crucial for several reasons. It's one is because you want a good light to see where you're going. Yeah. But having a, I mean, I have like a really big one that mm-hmm. you know it's like a, it's just like a big beam. But it's just yeah. because it's easier to stay awake if you have yeah. more light coming off your bike. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Okay. Because it becomes a game of staying awake too. Because yeah. once you, you get start like, coming, 
you get like tunnel vision, like looking at that light beam throughout oh, yeah. the night? You're like in, a, in that little world, you just all your entire world consists of that like little beam. <laughs> okay, so then so, what about like how? What, at what point do you start getting leg cramps from all this? Uh, Never. I, I I am pretty good while while I'm up and running. That it also turns into a game of like. I mean, you can. It's hard to go. It's hard to go several days without any sleep, so you're gonna yeah. have to go down at some point. Yeah. And then the worst is when you're getting back up again. That's when you get the cramps. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So so you you stopped and took how many naps? Do you think? Do you remember? Uh, I spread out. Most naps were probably pretty short, ten to fifteen minutes. But I probably at some point probably did an hour. Yeah. Half an hour, an hour. I think my total, I finished in 95 hours or something, so it's mm-hmm. just under four days. I think my yeah. total sleep was about five hours. Yeah. And so um, one time I interviewed William Seichel, who's this guy from Scotland, who yeah. um, is a champion uh, long-distance runner, and they run on a track for like five, six days at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like a quarter-mile track. Yeah, no, I have friends doing that. Too. Yeah, and – <laughs> Yeah, you learn. You just sleep when you need to, and then get back up as soon as you can, as soon as yeah. you feel good. Yeah. So. But I mean, this is a mix of it. It's fine when you're running, but you know, you don't want to fall asleep on a bike. No, no, no. Because <laughs> that hurts. Yeah, that reminds me of Ram. You know, where they're trying to ride yeah, as far yeah, as they can. Yeah. Ram with... is crazy too. Ram is crazy too. Those guys are staying up for long. Yeah. Okay. So then you finally get off the bike after what do you say? Like. Uh... Uh, I think my bike was 45 hours. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, and then, uh, golly, and then, uh, then you start running and yeah. how are you feeling? Like when you start running like that, you feel well, okay? I mean, it's kind of, you kind of psyched that you got to the run. Yeah. <laughs> the bike is long. <laughs> when you get to the run, it's like, yep. Okay. Is, so five uh, marathons. Right. And, uh, uh, yep. And what, what, what was and the that, marathon? That's an out of back too. It's probably, it's, uh, it's a mile out. It's kind of not quite the same course. You're going kind of over a little bit of a hill. Uh-huh. You're going over a hill for a mile, and then you turn around and come back. It's okay. like 65 laps. Okay. 131 miles. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm <laughs> we're doing for um for the Iron Baby. That, that's what we call the race because we raise money for kids. Oh, that's um, awesome. Uh, this year, this year we're going to do an Ultraman, and I felt kind of bad about maybe possibly having a slightly looped course, but now I, I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> No, don't, don't. I mean, the thing is, like, when you have to, when you're doing something like that, I mean, logistically, you have to do laps because you you need like your to get. They need to check in on you so that you're fine. Yeah, you know, and that you have your crew and stuff. It just doesn't really work very well if you. Yeah, the the logistics. I was listening to a to an interview with some people behind Ultraman, and they were saying Ultraman. The reason they cap it, they have to cap it, is all the support crews out on the road following the cyclists if you have like 300 people all being followed by cars you know you end up somebody's going to get hit yeah it's going to get crazy you can't do that okay okay so cool um and then yeah people (laughs) don't have to come with as many family and friends and rent cars and stuff like that right yeah okay so then um how much you won did you think you would did you have any idea that you would win or or, uh, uh, no, I mean, I think we were nine or ten people that started. So yeah. It's like it's a pretty intimate affair. I mean, yeah. To be honest, I didn't really think much about like winning or not winning. Yeah. A because I mean I haven't done a lot of that kind of stuff, mm. and then you know I I know the people. It was it was just kind of fun, intimate race. Yeah. 
And the guy who was second, Andy, I mean, we were kind of ra- at the run. We actually started racing pretty hard and almost crashed for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I know him really well. I mean, yeah. I know him super well. So, yeah. so it was just it was fun that we yeah. were doing that. I have a sure. friend that got third at a triple Ironman. And uh, I was like, wow, that's so cool. And he said, well, there was like four people in it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, I mean, it's not a lot of people. Or, yeah. Not a lot of people are doing this, Okay. But. So what do you think uh, running, like while you were running, let's say, not, not counting the sleep or anything, you're yeah. just jog at, at a time where you're feeling okay and you're just jogging along, um, what what minute mile pace do you think you were running? Ooh, we had major, major, like, variations. Yeah. Because I think we were going, I was going pretty, very, pretty slow. Like, there's an uphill there, so you're kind of walking the uphill. And otherwise, you could be doing maybe, I mean, probably going nine, ten minute miles. Yeah. Uh, but at the point when we started racing in the middle, after 70 miles, I think we had like a 10 miles where we were going like six seven minute miles just because we were like racing against each other so what what yeah, led was, to that weird we were like super loopy and it got yeah. really weird <laughs> you did know? you just drink a red bull or something like that uh, no i don't i can't i mean we yeah. after that i mean there's a lot of hilarious photos when we uh-huh. like crash and like there's like these videos when we're like arguing with each other out in the course just because we're so loopy we have yeah clue. yeah you start like i was falling asleep a couple of times and while running and like falling over and yeah so, um so that's that's a small race, right? Yeah. But yeah. then you turned around and you did Spartan Death Race, and so people are familiar, yeah. probably familiar with the Spartan races, and yeah. like uh, you know, like kind of mud runs and obstacle course runs and stuff. But this is the this one takes the cake. <laughs> it's the king of them all because I heard in this race it's not over until a certain percentage of people quit, right? Uh I don't know if that's true or not. It might be true, but you don't know. Right. You don't know when it's going to end. No, and it's not like you can say, like, oh, there's this many people left, so now it's going to finish. I I don't know. They they push it. I'm not really sure what what the criteria are for when it's going to be over. (laughs) Uh, You you just don't know. That's kind of part of the game. Part of the game is not. Because even if you're doing a quintuple, I mean, you know when it's going to end. Right. I mean, you know the distance you're going to do, and then it's over. Right, but that's the, the the mentally really hard part for a lot of people to deal with is if you absolutely have no clue of when it's going to be over. Right, it, it's really hard to continue. Right, and there's a there's a winter and a summer version, and I, yeah. I heard for, well, I don't know, maybe there's it was, several. There's more now actually. I haven't, I didn't do any last year, but there's more yeah. now. They they got some more versions. Yeah, because you said you told me offline that. You kind of took last year off after doing all this. Other yeah, stuff. yeah, I had two crazy years. Yeah. I also did. There's also another event that I do. I, I love a, uh, these events called GoRux. Oh yeah, one of my yeah. friends. One of my yeah. friends does that. And yeah. I did two GoRux selections too, which is their kind of 48 hour event. Uh-huh. It has a it has like a pass rate of I think it's 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 well below five percent. I think it's like three or four percent of people that go through that. Yeah, that's crazy. And so it's so, also like a so the be down the the spartan death race yeah um the the race director is like the owner of the spartan company pretty much from what i from what i understand and yeah then, it started with them the two founders joe desena and andy yeah. weinberg yeah. and the guy i was talking about the guy second at quintuple that's andy weinberg so. oh okay 
Yeah. Oh, so yeah, nice <laughs> psycho group of friends. I, I think yeah. my wife is glad I don't live near you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said that would be awesome. Um, yeah, I know. If I lived in your building, I think I'd be a <laughs> be a little worn out by now. So the um, uh, the the Spartan race is something like the the ones that I heard about is like on the guy's farm building a stone staircase up the side of a mountain. Yeah, and, we did that one year. Yep. Okay, was that the summer or the winter? That was the summer. Okay, and then the winter one I heard like had you like at least waist deep in uh Vermont river uh that, frozen. Yeah. yeah. That 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 last winter death race I did was very was brutal. Like we spent hours in the river there. Yeah. Was, I mean it's like it's January in Vermont. I mean, you know, we're talking like minus 10 minus 20 and it, we're like standing right. in a river <laughs> so what do you what, why are you in the river what, what's going on well what do you have the to thing do? was a, a bridge broke there uh-huh. during the flooding that was up there i think it was one of the was it irene or yeah sorry, oh one. yeah a few years ago and, yeah, yeah. Or, and the, yeah so there was like this like it was probably like i don't know it must be like two three thousand pound i-beam that was at the bottom of the river mm-hmm. and our, we needed to get the i-beam out of the river oh yeah yeah, and it and it was like covered in silt. Sure, why not? So we not? had to be in Y'all there like digging that. and getting it out of there. It took us like, it, it took us, I'm sure, like five six hours. Yeah, a lot of people dropped at that point. They just got hypothermic and like, people, yeah, yeah, I would serious serious people that dropped at that point. I I mean, it was horrible. I'd say straight up, it was really bad. So, so, which leads me to the next point. Is you might be a little adapted to the cold because one, <laughs> you come from my favorite place ever, which is Sweden, and then <laughs> Love to hear it. and then uh, two, um, you used to be an alpine, and maybe you still do some of this, but an alpine mountaineering guide or what? What's the job title exactly? No, 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 no. I was not. I was not a guide. I, I uh, so in Sweden. Well, back in the day in Sweden, when I was like eighteen, nineteen, the the mm-hmm. military service was still mandatory right sort of i was supposed to do it and i ended up doing it as a as an arctic ranger mm-hmm. so i spent two years above the polar circle in sweden and i got some <laughs> great winter survival training like you can't can't pay for that yeah money really really good and then after that i got into sort of alpine climbing and mountaineering yeah and i spent a few years when i was studying going all summer so i spent five summers in chamonix climbing i went to three months in bolivia China, Pakistan, stuff like that. Yeah, so I was never a guide, but yeah. I was pretty fanatical for a little while there sure. about climbing mountains. So, if so I'm I in, still climb a lot. But. If I'm in Vermont in the winter, we've got a contest of who can stay warm and who can lift something up the side of this mountain or, or uh, get something <laughs> out of the river. And then I find out that the guy next to me was in the Swedish military, was an Arctic ranger for two yeah. years above the above the Arctic Circle. I'd probably just quit right then too. I'd say, okay, I'm done. No, he could have some other weaknesses. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're, that's if your you're mindset. Death, no, I've yeah. seen I've seen some of the strongest people I know. Yeah. Because if we're talking the death race. Yeah. And like, death race isn't just physical and mental. It's actually emotional. Like. Yeah, yeah. They'll tell you could be told that you cheat. Uh-huh. Even though you didn't cheat, yeah, just to see what happens, and you get punished, and some people will just walk right out. Yeah. Can't take it. Yeah, because it just you question their honor or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. and some people just can't take that. That's just yeah. too much, and they just walk, quit, and walk right out. Yeah, and most people I see quit actually like five minutes after they quit, they go like, "I'm, why did I quit?" Yeah, <laughs> they got them. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, I went to um, military school, Marine Corps military school, oh, and cool. was in a Navy Marine unit in college. Um, and that's the first thing they do to you is they start messing with you mentally. Yeah. And you can tell who can't take it like instantly. They. Yeah, you can tell pretty quick. Yeah. The, pretty quick. the first thing they do is say something about your mother, and then the kid yeah. that flips out and goes, "What." <laughs> They're like, yeah, that, that yeah. kid's not going to make it. And then there, there'll be people just stone-faced, you know, and they're like, all right, yeah. this, this guy looks tough. Like, he's going to be all right. Yeah. Uh, so um, you came over from Sweden at what age to America? Five years ago. Just five years ago. Yeah. Okay, so this uh, goes along with my theory that people from, from Scandinavia and lots of Europe speak better English than people from the United States. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How I does guess, that happen? I guess yes and no. I don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah, I, I tell everyone that, I mean, if you go to Sweden, yeah, everyone there speaks English. There's not a problem. I think one of the issues is that if you look at other parts of Europe, like France and Italy, their English is not particularly good. But True. for example, they dub all their movies. Uh-huh. So they, they put on a French or an Italian voice on you know, all the American movies, whatever shows. Right. But we don't in Northern Europe. So okay. we subtitle it, but we never dub it. Oh, so you hear how we talk, and then you pick yeah. it up. So you hear the pronunciation, and you see the Swedish text, for example. Right. I think that's a big part. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, I, I traveled a lot, and uh, uh, because I work in science, when I was in my department in Sweden, mm-hmm. half my department uh, weren't Swedish. Right. So... English was an everyday thing for right. many years before I even moved to the U.S. Cool. Yeah, my great-grandfather yeah. came over 1930, 1920 or something like that uh, to get his Ph.D. in um, psychology over here at uh, University of Chicago. Really? That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So, do, do you know any people, like, do you have any connections in Sweden? Do you know any, like, distant relatives or anything? Uh, my grand, When I was uh, about 20 years ago, my grandmother went over and visited a bunch of our relatives over there. Yeah. But I haven't kept in touch with any of them or anything uh, like that. Uh, yeah. I just read the other day that if I buy a Volvo, that you get an airline ticket to go over to Sweden and drive it over oh, yeah. to Sweden. <laughs> I have a lot of American friends talking about that too, actually. Yeah. Actually, because you can go northern, northern Sweden actually has all these test facilities uh-huh. for winter car driving. Yeah. So a lot, of, sometimes a lot of the, you know, the, the commercials you see when they're driving in the winter, yeah. a lot of that's shot in northern Sweden. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I've had two Volvos myself, maybe three. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. They're you're, awesome. You're cars. a great guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Um, all right. So next on the list, you are a scientist, and do you have a do you have a PhD in microbiology or, or uh, molecular biology? Molecular well, biology. actually, my my undergrad was in molecular biology. My uh-huh. PhD is in molecular physiology. Okay. Uh, I was working in sort of diabetes research, right. and now I'm more in genetics, like molecular genetics. I work oh, in obesity cool. research. So cool. Okay, yeah. um, on the uh, my wife is a type one diabetic. Oh, and she didn't develop it until she was twenty two, and yeah. um, really bizarre. You know, it just seemed like out of nowhere. We think it was probably from stress. Yeah, of, uh, uh, my mom was a type one, but she got it in about in her thirties. Okay, yeah, so it's yeah. not uncommon. I know it, it, around. Uh, we used to call it juvenile diabetes because it yeah. seemed to pop up then, but yeah. um, that was a really bizarre. Um, thing and then i saw in australia they have the first uh 
totally artificial pancreas working on a kid yep. that senses the blood sugar and responds appropriately to the yep. blood sugar. So that was pretty cool. It and is really cool. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. It's it's yeah. pretty exciting. Um, what did you learn? Did you learn anything about, uh, you were saying earlier about lipids and fats and stuff. Um, did you learn anything uh, from your earlier research that you can apply to, to sports nutrition at all? Uh, I wouldn't think so. I, I work on a very molecular level trying yeah. to understand certain certain mechanisms and, and I, I mean it's so much more complex what you want for your nutrition yeah uh, what I do have is I mean because I'm a scientist I'm very used to reading a lot of scientific papers yeah critically being able to criticize them and read them and, and you know get a larger understanding of what's, mm -hmm. what's the consensus. So I do read a lot about nutrition and stuff for sports. Right. Uh, uh, and I, I believe that I have like a fairly good uh, ability to understand where the consensus is, what's working or not. Cause you know. Yeah. So what is the consensus right now with how much, like I had a question the other day that I wasn't able to get a straight answer on from a lot of people. Um, eating fat uh, while exercising if it's actually usable by the body or if it's pretty much just uh, carbs and uh, protein per se? That is a, that's actually a really good question. Yeah. And to be honest, I, like, I mean, purely like scientifically, I don't think there's a good answer to that. Oh. I think, I mean, I think it's going to, on a purely like personal sort of, uh, if I'm just theorizing about it, yeah. I think it's different for different people. Yeah. Uh, it's very personal what works for you when you're racing. Yeah. I think. I know, I know, especially when I start doing the longer things, mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'm back on regular food. Right. Like the fast carbs and all that, it's just I stop doing that yeah. and I switch. But that has, like, for me, that's like connected to, I mean, if you're doing a long race, it's all about, it's all about your stomach being able to function the whole the whole thing and you know yeah. so well also like the longer the race you know the slower you're going so you're able to actually digest real food anyway sure. yeah 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 so it's, it's it's a personal thing that you're gonna have to figure out if we're talking about race nutrition yeah. you know uh and we talked about amrita which is you know like one of my absolute favorite companies for yeah. for many reasons yeah uh but for example those bars i know work very well to me because they are just I've tried a lot of plant-based bars, uh -huh. but they're very easily digestible. That's true. They I, definitely I can are. just smack yeah. down a whole bar and not like really worry about it. Yeah, it's really weird, isn't it? Like yeah. you can eat yeah. a third of a bar at a time, like I do, yeah. and I don't yeah. even feel it at all. Like yeah. it just goes yeah. right through. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the spices and stuff that he uses in there to, that soothes the stomach, like cardamom or yeah. something. Yeah, and like it's that. also like how they come. A lot of plant-based bars are very dry. Yeah. And these are kind of moist, so they just I don't know. They're easier to, to yeah. take down, especially while racing. You ever do like racing. a dry bar at, while you're on the bike and then you end up with a, mount, a back of your throat full of dust? No, it's like, <laughs> it's yeah, it, like eating like a stack of crackers. Yeah, you're like, that you, was you don't do that. Stupid. Why did I just do that? Yeah. Okay, I've done that a million times and I'm just like, God dang it. Yeah, I've done it too. Because yeah. you got to do it, experience it, and go like, okay, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah and then I'll go a few months and then forget. Like, <laughs> it, yeah. Um, Okay, so what are you working on? 
well, you're you're in your lab right now, which yeah. is this is so cool uh, that it's your background. And um, <laughs> like so, I got a question about your like lifestyle and training and work and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I have a theory uh, that you probably climb a lot of stairs, and that helps a lot. Do you take the <laughs> stairs as much as you can? I actually I do. I try to do that. Um, yeah. I when I work in my lab bench in the lab during the days. Uh -huh. it's, Actually, not a lot sitting down. Yeah. Uh, if I'm out of my computer, of course, I'm sitting down working. But it's a lot of running around and walking and standing at my lab bench and stuff. So uh -huh. I think that's quite nice. I are try you, not to sit down too much. Are you literally, time. like, mixing test tubes and stuff like yeah. that? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have – I do yeah. animal genetics. I mean, I would have a fair amount of mice that I'm working with. Yeah. No, like, dude, I'm I'm standing at a bench mixing stuff and pipetting. That's what I do all day long. Oh yeah, cool, <laughs> man, cool. Yeah. So, um, uh, you make your own hours because you do your own research, or how do you find? Uh, are are you like a uh, what do they call it? Uh, not <laughs> a sponsored scientist. What is it? Um, you got uh, contract work to do. You got projects uh, funding. Uh, do you got grants that you're? Yeah, yeah. Doing? So I, it's not my personal grants, my. My boss is my, my professor. Uh -huh. uh, it's his grants, of course, and I work on the project. Right. Uh, uh, where was I? <laughs> I just lost the thread completely. <laughs> I just lost the thread completely. Oh, no. The, uh, the, uh, what do you do for work exactly? Like you're, you're following the grants, right? And then, yeah, uh, yeah. So, and I have, I mean, I have a certain project, certain scientific, scientific questions that I'm trying yeah. to answer that I'm working on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's basically what I've been doing here for five years. Yeah. It's five years now. Yeah. Man, time flies. Yeah. Is, are you going <laughs> to keep, so you bad. think you're going to keep doing but, this for a long time? Same thing? Yeah. I mean, I won't be in this particular spot forever. Yeah. Probably I need to, uh, you know, figure out to move on and maybe go somewhere else. Yeah. It's just a career thing for a scientist. You need to move on a bit. Yeah. Uh, but and I definitely, I mean, I love New York City, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's time for me to go somewhere where there's mountains. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I yeah. need, to, I'm probably going to need to get out of here. As far as training and stuff, I mean, I guess one of the perks of being an academic scientist is that most of the time that I have, I plan myself. Right. Uh, I try to keep somewhat regular hours in the lab. It's just because it works better with your normal life. Right. Uh, but I do, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty flexible. Yeah. Uh, which of course helps a lot yeah. another key thing is i live about two blocks away from work mm -hmm. so my commute is about three minutes yeah. every day so that's a lot of time saved right there uh yeah so is your work is project based right so as long as you're making progress on your project then you can kind of work and and play whenever you, you feel yeah yeah definitely so it's like that i mean and I tend to because I can plan my time so perfectly. I can really fit in a lot. I could fit in a lot of work and a lot of training. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. And with science, also it tends to be like pretty intense sometimes. So sometimes I'll focus more on that, and mm -hmm. then sometimes it's more calm. You know, yeah. Kind of I work in the computer industry in IT, but yeah. Um, so I had to back off a of training a little bit because we were doing a big, like, whole bunch of servers being upgraded and things like that. And yeah. it just makes you tired, like, mentally just tired. And it's, 
you can't really train while you're doing that kind of stuff. But then we'll have no. long long periods of just maintaining stuff, and then you can kind of turn your brain off. <laughs> yeah, it's just easier. Yeah, and go I mean, do it's like that. Big training and stuff. I think it's like that for everyone in their lives. Just, yeah, I think yeah. once you learn how to how to um, leverage that, like yeah. Uh, yeah. I think people like get worn out when they they get all into to triathlon or endurance sports, and then they it's probably while they're not having that much to do at work or in their life, they get all into it and then they try yeah. to sustain it while all of a sudden work picks up or they have a kid or something like that. And yeah. uh, they try to sustain it and then they just crash and crash. Burn. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's fine to have, that's how I felt like I, I, I went crazy there for a couple of years but mm -hmm. when it came to like races and stuff, I was doing so much and it was all back to back. It was just like for yeah. the rest in between. But I really felt last year it was just time to just take a year off from that. I mean, I still did a lot of races, but nothing like really big. Yeah. Really big. So I'm just kind of getting back into it this year. Got some of the races lined up. And then I might have, well, we talked about the quintuple. Yeah. And, well, it looks like right now that there will probably be a continuous DECA in mm -hmm. the beginning of... In, in May 2016, so yeah. that'll be the 10x Ironman. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I heard there was like a 20 or something like that in Italy recently. Did you hear about yeah, that? Yeah, but th that was probably a non-continuous. Uh -huh. I think those were in the non-continuous ones. Yeah. As far as, I think the longest continuous I know is DECA. I think yeah. that has been done before, but I mean, yeah, it's 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 a little bit scary when I think about it. And that's why I really like it. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, like, what what attracts <laughs> yeah. you to doing this kind of stuff, to, to getting into the zone and just uh, seeing how f maintaining while on the on the rivet, on the verge. Uh, yeah, but it's just uh, it just intrigues me to trying to find figure out like what your limits are, I mm -hmm. guess. And then what motivates me is really when I don't know if I'm going to make it, yeah. like. When it, a lot of times, I mean, of course, I do races where I try to go fast and stuff. I run a few marathons and stuff like that. But uh, what really motivates me when I when I'm signed up for something where I'm like at the point where I sign up, I am not a hundred percent sure that <laughs> I will be able to make it. Exactly. That motivates me. Yeah. And also, when I'm not sure what it's going to be like. I mean, I guess that's yeah. what, what point would attract me to m mountaineering and alpine climbing because mm -hmm. a lot of times you don't know a lot about where you're going right? And, or how it's going to be or how it's going to turn out. And I just uh, I just love that adventure. I love the adventure of it. Yeah. Well, with mountaineering, a, a change in the weather can mean just a 180-degree yeah, turn. And you how think you plan it all out. You yeah. get off route or, you know, something happens. And it's just like... Yeah. Like with, with, with mountaineering, it's like it's not over until you're home in your bed again. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, you know, getting to the top of the mountain is just like it's probably less than halfway sometimes. You gotta get back down and out of there too. So, so. spending that much time on your bike, what do you, um, how do you, what kind of saddle do you have, and what kind of shorts do you wear to keep from your the the seat post just going up um, to your body? <laughs> uh, actually. I, I believe that what you really need to be be is very well fit on your bike. Because yeah. if you're well fit on your bike, uh, 
the pressure that you will have sitting on the saddle will be less. Right. I mean, if you're ill-fitted on your bike, you might be sitting very hard on your saddle, and that could be a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, I use a I, I can have a specialized saddle now, the one that's kind of split in the middle. Okay. On yeah. my tri bike, I'm using one of those podium saddles too. That like you know, they, uh, they work pretty well for me. Whether it's they kind of have a hole in the middle. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Are you talking about the Sotero uh, or a different one? There's one called a Sotero. I'm not. Sh- I think I have this the specialized. I don't know. I'm not sure, but yeah. I think most of those saddles are a lot of them are coming out now that has like the hole in the middle or the split kind of relieve pressure. Yeah. They work very well for me at least. Yeah, me too. But it's yeah. also really, you know, when you bike that far, you got to make sure you get out of the saddle. Yeah. On a, on you kind of on a schedule. That's I do the same thing. Um, yeah. Either every five minutes or ten minutes, I I yeah. sit up. Or, uh, that's not a, sit up, that's essentially what you do. Yeah. That's essentially what you do. Yeah. It makes all the difference in the yeah. world. Yeah. A lot of it when it came out after, I was more like, I wasn't, I mean, I'm sure the RAM people must have all these kinds of issues, but you just gripping your handlebar too much. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. a couple of my fingers went numb for a few weeks after that, <laughs> because, you know, you were, like, holding so much. Yeah. I guess it was also because it was pretty cold when we were doing it. It was raining. And, yeah. Yeah. So, for your uh, uh, long runs, what do you, and, like, runs like that, do you run with a water bottle in your hand, or how do you carry uh, fuel for your long workouts on the run yeah i like handhelds yeah if i do tra- longer trail runs and stuff like that i'll bring like a, a running pack mm-hmm. like a backpack but usually if i want to bring some water i like handhelds now yeah so i'd, I'd bring that and you know i kind of if i do a really long run i'll plan it out so that i'm running past the shop or something halfway and, yeah or, you know i'm also in new york city so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So what's a There's, what's a long run for you right now? What do you consider to be kind of long? Uh, I actually like uh, not. I've actually been more biking lately than I've been running. Yeah. Uh, so I don't you, know. It kind of it kind of goes in waves. But I had this period now when I was doing, I've been biking a lot. I just like biking a lot now. Um, so I kind of get. I'm kind of ramping up my running now again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now, a long run for me would probably be like 15, 20 miles. Yeah. If okay. I want to do a long run, let me get so it's not. I mean, it's nothing over the top, but yeah. I really actually felt that my biking has uh, helped my running a lot. Yeah. How? Yeah. What? I don't know why. Is you feel? I feel like I'm a stronger runner after biking a lot. Huh. Uh, and I hear a lot of people say that you know biking helps your running, but running doesn't help your biking. Uh, yeah, I and I think that. it depends a little bit on what you are before, but I feel like a lot of biking has kind of made my legs stronger. Mm-hmm. Actually, I ran New York Marathon now in November, and I didn't actually run. I ran very little before that. I didn't train for it at all as yeah. far as running. I, I was kind of maintaining on like maybe 15, 20 miles a few weeks before. Yeah. Uh, but I was biking a lot. Right. And uh, I, when I ran it, I was just, I felt very good. I think biking, I think definitely helps you running uphill because you've really worked your leg muscles a lot. And it's the uphill running that slows you down on the run. So, yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah. Cool. So what do you have coming up next? So so I'm sort of ramping up my what I'm going to do this year. I haven't, I deliberately didn't 
book too much mm-hmm. to just fill up my schedule because I have a tendency to like not being able to say no to things. Yeah. So I end up like go doing things back to back anyways. But so I just only had a couple of really things that I really planned, which is doing a half Ironman in Raleigh, mm-hmm. North Carolina. Uh, my girlfriend did the Mont Tremblant Ironman this last year. Yeah. So we're both doing it this year in August. Uh, and I think I will be doing some ultra events in the fall. Okay. But I kind of really want to train through this this uh, spring and just yeah. focus on the training instead. Yeah. And then I'm hoping I'm going to do a few ultra events this fall, maybe one, like one or two hundred milers. Um, oh, ultra marathons. Yeah. 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 Cool. And, uh, but I think my key event now. That everything's gonna lead ramp ramp up up is doing that continuous deck in May. Yeah. In Wait, May of twenty fifteen or sixteen? Sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. Well, you're invited so, to come do the Ultraman with us. But it's, when it, when are you doing it? It's in October. Uh, uh, actually, that yeah. Yeah. That's We've got fun. a female pro that's gonna come do it. Let's see if you can. Oh, oh really? Take her so, on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know. But actually, uh, you know what that. Yeah, let's we'll, we'll keep in touch about it. I don't yeah, know. definitely. Be cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and let me see. I got a uh, just to wrap it up. Uh, just a couple more questions for you. How do you know that you're going too fast and to back off in the in a race? What signs does your body tell you that you're probably doing going too hard? Um, it's it, that's well, that's a hard question because it depends on what kind of race you're doing. You know. Okay. Let's say five k um, or an ultra, you know. Let's say um, uh, a, a half Ironman up to an Ironman, because that's what most people listen to this. Probably uh, a half Ironman to an Ironman. Yeah. Uh, uh, I really just decide beforehand what my pace is. Oh yeah. I train. <laughs> I train. Yeah. I train, and I, I, you, you train, you calculate, and you look at it. Because a half Ironman and Ironman to me is still like a race, you know. You, yeah, yeah. This for me, I'm racing it. So I want to know what my somewhat pace will be, mm-hmm. but come game day, I might feel stronger or, or, not as good. Yeah. So I'm always ready to adapt adapt my pace to it. Okay. But when I'm doing it, I kind of like really want to have a, a goal. I have a goal for what I want to do and when I'm okay. when I'm doing that. I think it could be good for people to do that. Yeah. To to have an understanding of what what they kind of want to go, what pace they want to go. But also not like be ready to alter it just in, in the moment, to change it in the moment if, if, if it's feeling not feeling so good. And then uh, last question is, how can you tell that you need to eat more or drink more? What signs does your body oh, tell you? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that is, I mean, it's so hard. <laughs> uh, that's, it's experience. Actually, the last thing in the, it's experience. Yeah. Because, that can be really hard because the problem is when you feel that you've done something wrong, you don't have enough salts, you, you, you're, you're dehydrated or you're uh-huh. not good enough with nutrition, it's too late. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. You're already crashing if that's if yeah. you're feeling it. So especially if people doing half Ironmans and Ironmans, I think most coaches will tell you that too. It's like I'm not always very good at this. I'm kind of wing it. But yeah. You should have a nutrition plan if you want to do it. That is 
the good thing about having a nutrition plan is that you say you're going to eat this much every hour and you just do that. Yeah. Even if you feel like doing it or not, just take it in. Right. Uh, as long as you're not feeling nauseous and your stomach can handle it because that way you're kind of protecting yourself from ending up in a situation you feel like, oh my God, I feel like I did not, I'm dehydrated, I didn't drink enough. Uh-huh. And it's hard, during a race, it's hard to kind of come back from that. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It's going to take a while. Yeah. Cool. So try to figure that out beforehand. I mean, I, I'm kind of weird with that. I, I, people who know me know this. It's like I can use, I mean, I eat the weirdest stuff sometimes when I'm out like on a race. Yeah, like, like what? Dude, I mean, during the quintuple always, yeah. I down all the kinds. I mean, I probably did most of my ramen on like mac and cheese. <laughs> I, just, I like i was causing he was running with like a cup of mac and cheese in my hand i could my, see yeah. that yeah because no, it good. tastes awesome. good yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's yeah. really high calorie and uh easy yeah. to digest too at the yep. same time yeah. i think yeah so yeah i mean and i try we talked about but nutrition out, outside of the racing and i just i'll be kind of continuously moving towards uh more of a, of a I try to stay away from processed foods and I yeah. really like try to have like two or three days that are vegetarian every week yeah uh, you know it doesn't always end up that way mm-hmm. but it's kind of what I strive for so yeah cool dude it's, yeah it's, I do um, a lot of meals vegetarian on purpose yeah. Yeah. But so I wouldn't do my thing. I don't do days vegetarian, but I'll be like, nah, no, no meat this meal, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, that's what kind of works for me. So actually, uh, it's funny, but well, especially when I'm like running a lot, because mm-hmm. I find it hard to ha- eat something heavy like a, you know, eat a piece of steak and go out and like run. It's just yeah, oh, it's just hard. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to so, bother me, but I had scrambled egg, just a little bit of scrambled eggs and a piece of sausage this morning. Yeah. Uh, along with like some cereal and stuff and went running yeah. and then it bothered my stomach like really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So. so it's, I guess that's one of the reasons, like especially when I'm running a lot, I just try to eat lighter foods, like more vegetarian. Yeah. It sometimes. definitely works better. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for being on the show. Cool. And I'm, how do, how do people, thank you for having me. How do people get in touch with you if they want to follow what you're doing this year? Uh, yeah. Do you have so, a blog I or mean, something? Uh, I kind of started a blog, but <laughs> it's just I, you know I'm just not terribly good at keeping up with writing blogs. Yeah. And I'm I'm sort of thinking about getting back into that again. Otherwise, it's like I'm on Twitter, just my name at Olaf Dahlner, and uh, I'm kind of trying to get better at Twitter and yeah. Facebook. Uh, I add most people that add me, so okay. <laughs> most cool. most of my races and stuff end up getting updated. And on there yeah. cool yeah i'm good I'm at the on, twitter I'm but on not Strava too actually i'm on strava too oh know, really too. oh yeah cool. I, catch, I was out of it last year but i'm starting up now and uh-huh. now i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it all on strava now if people want to see what i'm doing yeah i do so. um the automatic uh upload from uh garmin to yeah, strava yeah yeah and that way it yeah. takes care of it it's all done yeah so i love it and then i get emails from people your uh, comments and thumbs up and stuff like yeah. that kudos so. Yeah, kudos. Totally, <laughs> yeah, it's cool, man. Uh, awesome, it's awesome. Well, I'll be in All touch. All right, let's let's and, be in touch, and I'll hear more about that. Your your guys' Ultraman. I want to come out for that. 
Yeah, the swim will be in a uh, nice, happy lake that's easy to swim in. And it's uh, across and back is 2.4 miles. Exactly. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah. And then the bike ride will be from that lake kind of over to my house, which is about 20 miles, and then just loops after that. Yeah. Um, and Texas countryside, it's just rolling uh, prairie and woods and cattle ranches and stuff. It's pretty neat. Sounds, sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> and then um, the run, uh, we've always done a three-mile loop um, yeah. that goes through my subdivision, and it's it actually passes the time pretty good because it's a mix of – houses a little bit of street and a uh, wooded sidewalk yeah um with a couple of real gentle hill well they they it's don't relatives. seem gentle at the end <laughs> no no they grow well, i told I you that quintuple going over that hill yeah it was like pretty it looks not very big in the beginning it was like everest in the, in the end it yeah i know it's growing crazy, every it? lab you're like oh yeah <laughs> There's this ultra marathon I do every year and there's some little, little wooden bridges on the trail and you do yeah. loops. You do like, it depends on how far you're going, like either three yeah. or five loops. But by lap three, those things are horrible to try to get over. You're like walking sideways cause you can't lift your legs up anymore. <laughs> so you're walking sideways up them. And then we like walk... to do these things. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's like excites us. Like that's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. How, yeah, how funny. fast can you go? at the limit of your pain that guy i interviewed william seichel said um the pain gets to be about a seven out of ten and then it doesn't get much worse than that nah and then once you know that then you can kind of keep it at that seven out of ten if it starts to climb up to eight or nine you're you're going too hard yeah, yeah. and uh yeah cool all right man well thanks for being on and let's be in touch yeah let's stay in touch thanks for having me yeah cool all talk right. to you later have a good one bye-bye bye all right, we are back. Thank you, Olaf, for the awesome interview. Uh, we talked a little bit after the recording and uh, decided that we could probably be really good friends. <laughs> I want to hang out with him and do awesome stuff. Really inspirational guy. And just so cool that he does all that amazing stuff and then also holds down a day job. And uh, But you got to remember, you know, it's <clears throat> there's a famous saying, you know, you're really... What you see on the internet is you're really seeing somebody's highlight reel. You know, um, there's you can only be so awesome for so long, and uh, you need to take a break. And that's what he said he was doing. He didn't do much stuff in the past year uh, because he was taking a break from all that stuff. It wears you out, you know. So you gotta take a break, and it's okay to slow down and uh, recoup a little bit, and then build back up to something cool again. Speaking of something cool, I got the Rocky Raccoon this weekend. Just in a few days, actually. I'm really excited about it. But before we talk more about that, let's talk about a little bit of endurance sports news. Uh, the two biggest things that I've seen lately is the Lock Gulak on September 26th of this year, 2015. There is, it's a uh, swim run, uh, alternating. Swim, run, swim, run, swim, run in the Scottish Highlands. And it... The final swim, it looks like, uh, goes across Loch Ness. You know, the Loch Ness monster, Nessie. And let's see, it's 12 runs with a total distance, 12 different runs, uh, with 40 miles of running, uh, 63 and a half K, and 13 swims that totals up to 8 and a half K, which would be 5.3 miles. And yeah, they're interspersed in between each other. 
and I've done this at the SOS Triathlon, and it's awesome. It is so cool. You swim with your shoes tucked in the back of your swimsuit. This will be so cold. You'll probably wear a wetsuit. So basically, you run with your wetsuit on or something like that. <laughs> and people love it. It is so much fun. There's no bike to mess with, so it's actually uh, the gear uh, and the traveling to go do it is actually a lot more simple than doing a triathlon, so it's pretty neat. Uh, the longest swim section is 2K across the 230 meter deep and very dark Loch Ness. That is really cool. Again, that's the Loch, and you spell that L-O-C-H, Loch Goo Loch. Goo as in the goo gels, G-U. Um, yeah, September 26, 2015. And then also a really cool thing that's going to happen is Iron Man, WTC brand, is stating that they're going to do live pro tracking at Kona um, and also uh, the full Ironman Distance Regional Championships and uh, also at the half Ironman Championships only. So this is uh, probably a website, they haven't really revealed it yet, a website where you can watch the pros race and uh, and maybe a little bit of their biometric stuff like watts and, and uh, heart rate would be pretty cool. Uh, pros can opt in to show biometric data. And actually, you know, this goes along with my Garmin 920 watch, which will, with my if I'm wearing my phone on me, will transmit this stuff on a map already, which I plan on wearing for some races, including the Rocky Raccoon uh, this weekend. I'm going to try to go run all 50 miles of that thing while transmitting live uh, my biometric data. I hope I don't bonk <laughs> or crash. You crash during trail runs. So you like uh, lose your footing and go into the bushes, kind of like a bike wreck. Um, but anyway, xtry.com has a little write-up on it, but it's, it's uh, pretty reasonable news. It's uh, uh, you know the race provider doing it now, but I could see easily in a couple years or more um, everybody doing it and a third party company, you know, putting together tracking and everybody can dump their tracking in on this web, web page so that, uh, you know, people can watch and be pretty neat. Okay. So that's the, uh, that's the biggest triathlon news going on around here. There's plenty of other triathlon news out there that you can go find and I encourage that you do. And, uh, let's see, let's do some sponsor stuff before we get into reading emails. I have a note here. Amphibian Multisport. Those are my buddies up in Libertyville, Illinois, just a bit north of Chicago. And they are amphibianmultisport.com. And it's a triathlon shop with a uh, endless pool inside and compu trainer bikes and you can join the club you can drop in and work out uh all day for just 25 bucks um if you're active military or firefighter or police then you get the whole month for only 100 bucks it can be your home base your club and if you're going to the chicagoland area i love how they say that like it's just the greater Houston area. What is New York called? Greater New York area? The New York bur boroughs, maybe? But anyway, in Chicago, it's Chicagoland. If you're in the Chicagoland area, go check them out. Even if you're just coming through as a visit, don't pack your bike to go on that trip, man. Just go drop in there and check them out. And then tell Spiros behind the counter that you heard about 
amphibianmultisport.com <laughs> from Zentri, man. He's a huge supporter of the show. It's a big deal. Um, yeah, let's see. You can uh, you can bring in your own bike and ride on a CompuTrainer. First ride on the CompuTrainer is free. Go check them out. they got a cool website with lots of pictures of what the place looks like. And uh, yeah, tell them Brett at Zentri sent you. All right, and then also, uh, I, th- I think later in the show, I talk about sound probiotics and in the training log later on. Uh, one thing I'm doing is I'm riding along the coast of New Zealand. I am about a tenth of the way down the, um, the coastline, the northwest coastline of New Zealand. I've already passed the Warra Warra Forest, and I'm in another jungle, it looks like right now. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm riding south, and I'm doing it on trainer view my goal is to ride all the way around new zealand and i'm telling you having a goal of riding something is uh, pretty cool and trainer view is a uh is a program that you can find on realtimeathlete.com realtimeathlete.com sometimes i call it rta realtimeathlete.com they've uh upgraded the the uh viewer and it is really modern looking and super cool and uh, you can ride anywhere that there's google street view so the stuff where you're like hey you can ride uh um this one section of one race you know but it's the same thing over and over again and it's only that one thing because it's a video well on this what you do is on google maps it's got a google maps window you draw and it's really easy actually you put the beginning point and the end point and it connects it along the streets automatically. And then you can add vertices, you know, and make it like kind of go off these side streets or side highways or whatever you want. But anyway, you can create a route as long as you want anywhere that you want where there's Google Street View. And it stitches the Street View together into like a really fast, almost, it's a fast slideshow, almost like a video because it is still shots. But then you can speed up or slow down the uh, playback. And then you can ride along. And uh, you can you can pause it and pan around 360 degrees. You can't do that in a real video. You're like, man, look at that house over there. That is so cool. Or what is that person doing on that on that building over there or in that window? And you can pan around. So I was showing it to somebody yesterday, and we were um, we set it to go through downtown Paris. We were just cruising around, you know. And then um, sometimes I leave it up at work on my on my other monitor just to have a just to check out a city I've never seen before. It's really really neat. But anyway, you ride your you ride your bike following this thing, and it becomes hypnotic, and you just ride along, ride along, and you can oh it's got an elevation graph along the bottom, so if you can tell that you're on a hill and you want to work it hard because that's what's really going on in the real world, then you can work it hard. It's pretty cool. You want to coast a little bit, you can back off, and um, the pro version will keep your routes that you like. If you save a route, you really, really, really like it and you want to do it again. Oh man, you can ride, you can ride the Google Street View of, you can create a route that's just like, uh, uh, you can create the Alpe d'Huez route, you know, and you're riding along and all the stuff's written on the street, just like, uh, you know, like when you're watching the Tour de France. Um, I've ridden along the coastline of Norway. I've ridden, oh, I saw, uh, I've ridden around Hawaii um, and the Google Street View for Hawaii, for Kona, was shot um, in the few days leading up before uh, Ironman Hawaii. And so there's triathletes all over the place biking. <laughs> it's really cool up and down the Queen K. It's really neat. Um, let's see, where else have I ridden? Oh, I saw on Google Street View, I uh, rode across the Golden Gate Bridge. So cool. Um, I saw on Street View 
that there's now Google Street View that goes all the way from Western Europe to uh, Eastern Asia. So I think after I do um, New Zealand, I might ride across the Europe and then Asian continent all the way from one side to the other. And the cool thing about Google Street View is it's it's always a bright sunny day. <laughs> you're riding inside, it's miserable outside, and you're like, wow, it's so pretty wherever I was riding. And every time I get off the trainer, I'm like, Emily, you wouldn't believe where I just rode. I just feel like I've been in New Zealand. This is so cool. Um, and the, the freedom of picking wherever you want to ride and that it's live, um, well, it's live off of Google Street View, so there's nothing to download or anything like that. It just, it's just reading the Street View pictures off the internet. Anyway, there's a pro version where you can save where you left off. Um, you don't have to make a new route every time and you can save your routes and a few other things. Keep track of your mileage. Um, and you can get that with a 15% off uh, discount code. No, wait. $10 off discount code. Oh, wait, half off. Wait, something. It's something off with discount code Zentry when you do checkout. I know that they just dropped the price a little bit with the new beta version. It's so much more fun to use. They want to get out for more people to see it. So they dropped the price a little bit. Um, discount code Zentry, all caps. Um, Amrita bars, 15% off with discount code Zen. And let's... Uh, Let's read a couple of news stories. Oh, and my gluten sponsor, um, New Republic Beer. Go check them out on Twitter. <laughs> That's uh, the, the local brewery here in town. They give me free beer every once in a while. Okay. Let's do donations. Uh, you can help support Zentry. Keep it on the air by donating on the left-hand side of the Zentrathlon.com website. It's super easy to do. And you can do a one-time donation or a recurring donation. And if you donate to the show, then if you email me with questions or statements, I read them out loud on the show. It's really cool. So Matthew Heinz, longtime donor. What's up, What's up dude? He's done the uh, parts of the Iron Baby. Uh, Jason Drury, Allison Frutos, and Houston Marsh, which is different than a Houston Bayou. Uh, hey, Coach Brett, after listening to you since at least 2009, I figured... Now would be a good time to thank you for all your hard work. I can't say for sure when I started listening, but I remember countless occasions in 2009, 2010, when I biked nearly 15,000 K up the continent of South America and across Canada, and I would yell out, I see you, Hill. That's a Zen thing that I used to say on shows. I'll, I'll do it again sometime. Um, or I hear you, wind. The wind was nuts in South America. Um, Three hours to go, 10 miles on flat roads. <laughs> oh my God, dude, that's terrible. Um, years later, when I was doing a bike tour in Southeast Asia with my fiance, I would yell at the heat, frequently over 120 degrees Fahrenheit with humidity. Um, yelling to acknowledge obstacles was a nice little trick you talked about on the show. I'm not sure if it works, but it is fun. Well, then it does work. Yeah, okay, so basically what he's saying is there's this Zen thing where um, uh, people internalize problems and think that the problem is themselves, right? Uh, so like uh, you're struggling with um, uh, what's what's a, a typical problem, a non-triathlete problem, traffic, right? I see you. So you get so frustrated. You're like, man, I just wish I could get through this. It's not you. It's the traffic, right? So one, say to, one thing to say is to acknowledge the traffic's outside of you is by saying, I see you, traffic. And it comes from um, Buddha, 
when um, Mara, which is kind of like the Buddhist version of the devil, uh, was challenging Buddha, um, Buddha said, I see you, Mara. And that means, uh, I see you, I know that you're there, but I am not. And because you're over there, I'm here. That means I can choose not to become part of you, not to get involved and not to believe that I'm the problem. You're the problem, not me, right? And uh, and I'm fine, and I just need to keep doing what I'm doing, and I'll finally get around you. And uh, so I was learning this and talking about it on a, on a very early episode of Zen and the Art Triathlon. And at that time, while I was recording, I was probably running up a hill. And I said, you know, like uh, if you're doing triathlon, like you're out running and uh, it's a steep hill, you can just say, I see you hill. <laughs> like that. And this saying took off, man. People started doing it and it really, really works. So wind, hills, um, bonking, right? Acknowledge them, point them out and realize that it's not you. Um, and, uh, instead of internalizing, you externalize them and then just keep on going along. And it really does work. It's really weird. Um, so that's what he was saying is I see you wind and I see humidity while biking across uh, Asia and, and uh, South America. Uh, these days, as I find myself getting busier with more family commitments, work, and now Ironman Canada, Canada training, I tend to appreciate your advice on how to successfully manage family life and training. Thank you for being a huge part of the reason, part of the reason I got started in triathlon. P.S. You do not have to read these on the show, but if you're interested, the link to bike tour in South America and Canada is okay go to crazyguyonabike.com slash doc like doc slash vagabond oh wait vagabonding sa okay so crazyguyonabike.com slash doc slash vagabondings a and the link to the bike tour in southeast asia is hojo <laughs> hojobiking.com h-o-j-o biking.com cool and I'll put the uh, I hope I remember put the links to this on the uh, show page um, on zentrathlon.com okay another donation Todd Nelson Brian Kemper Kathleen I just got this from her um, hi Brett thanks I did receive the order for the Hornet juice and I just placed a new order we're going to talk about Hornet juice in a second I am down to just a few packets ah Hope to see some soon. I use the Hornet Juice to train here in the tundra of northwest Wisconsin. Man. Uh, I train hard. My, my grandparents are from Wisconsin. Great. Great grandparents? Briefly. Um, I train hardcore strength one day. No, my, gran- my great grandparents survived the Sioux Uprising, actually. They were some of the people that ran out into the uh, prairie and hid in the uh, tall grass. <laughs> While the uh, everybody was terrified. Anyway, uh, I trained hardcore strength one day uh, a week doing CrossFit, endurance, and cardio all within one hour with a few strong women led by one great guy. We call ourselves G.I. Jane. Great stuff for the off-season. Peace to you and your family. Here's to a great race season. Working towards a 70.3 in August called Superior Man in Duluth, Minnesota. Athletes get to jump off the Visa fleet. I'm not sure what a visa fleet is. Um, into the Bay of Lake Superior. <laughs> Isn't that the biggest um, lake in North America? Maybe the world? Um, Got to check it out. Okay, thank you. Uh, Tyler Moyer. Dwayne Morin. Spiros Fetsis. What's up, man? 
uh, Carrie Honing, which is really, I think, Jeff Honing. Jeff Bernadine. (laughs) Why did I have trouble saying that? Uh, A message from him. Hey, brada! Exclamation point. Thanks for the liquid fuel recipe, and thanks for doing the podcast. I figured I'd buy you a pint to, to say thanks. Might grab a t-shirt next time. So I am in Houston at NASA. Uh, if you ever stop in for surf or the Galveston Half or just want to bring the family down for a tour, look me up. Yeah, I need to do that, man. Um, can I bring Kai there, my 10-year-old, and have him freak out over all the cool stuff at NASA? I would love to be able to do that. Um, Todd Endicott sending in a donation. Jessica Woodruff, Dan Machia, M. Webb, and Neil Thatcher. And hold on, I'm distracted by a... uh, Oh, there was something else there for a second. I got to tell you about. Uh, Neil Thatcher sent in an email about getting Hornet juice. Hey, Brett, things are good in the UK. Weather is pretty icy the last few weeks. So I have been hitting the turbo. That's what they call the uh, bike trainer in um, in the UK. They call it the turbo trainer. And getting in some good base miles with my running. It's been great listening to the evolution of the Ultra Baby. And I also got... That's where I'm going to do a self-supported Ultraman uh, this fall. And I also... Got a Garmin XT, uh, 910 XT. Um, I couldn't do the 920 due to budget constraints. Um, Yeah, that's an expensive device. Um, Good job, man. Cool, you'll love that. Lots of people love that. Uh, Keep up the excellent work. I can't emphasize enough what a great help your podcasts are on long runs and rides. Hey, no problem. Many thanks, Neil Thatcher, son of Margaret Thatcher. Just kidding, I made that last part up. Maybe he is, I don't know. I couldn't tell from his from I couldn't tell his accent from his uh, from his writing. <laughs> okay, um, uh, the past weekend. Let's just talk a little bit about some other stuff. The past weekend, um, the Rocky Raccoon 100 went down, and um, Ian Sharman, who's actually been interviewed on this podcast before, won it again, and he ran 100 miles in a low eight <laughs> minute mile pace. He did 100 miles at. Um, 13 and a half hours? <laughs> it's like, Jesus. <laughs> that is so awesome, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's so cool. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about Hornet Juice. I was looking up my notes from my last race, which I talk at length about uh, towards the end of the show, probably to ad nauseum. But the um, um, in my notes, that was my best ever long-distance performance. I was able to keep my heart rate up and go for nine and a half hours, nine hours and 37 minutes at a medium pace, nonstop without a break. And in my, and I PR'd uh, that raise. I've never been able to uh, achieve that performance again. And guess what I ate before and during the early stages of that race to uh, get things rolling. Hornet juice. The stuff freaking works. The best race ever of my life. I drank Hornet juice to get to right before I started and during the first uh, like uh, couple like hour or so. Okay, so Hornet juice is an amino acid powder. It's easy. One packet lasts an hour and a half, and it tastes. I think it tastes like grapefruit. Actually, um, it tastes a little weird at first, but it's not bad. And um, once you get used to it, and it's still not bad anyway. Um, and what it does is it's an amino acid blend that turns on signals your body to start. Uh, burning body fat for fuel. So it adds extra energy available on top of your already available energy. And what it feels like 
is that you just can't make yourself tired. Like no matter what you do, um, it's, there's an extra diesel motor going on. It's pretty neat. Um, there's no caffeine or anything like that. So you don't feel jacked up. You just feel like, um, that whatever you're doing, you can just keep going forever and ever and ever and ever. It's really, really neat. And the crazy thing is, um, it was the stuff synthetic. It was made in the lab modeled after the Japanese killer Hornet, uh, uh, saliva, <laughs> the amino acids in their saliva. Uh, so the Japanese killer hornet is recognized by science as the heaviest bodied insect that can do uh, the most work without stopping to um, eat. And so it can fly like really long distances, but it's really heavy. And they're like, how in the world does it do this? And they figured out the, the answer was in the amino acids uh, that it uses and it's saliva to help metabolize uh, its own fat stores. And so they duplicated in a lab and then started giving it to athletes and holy crap, it freaking works. It works really well. And you can get it on the Zentri website at, uh, you go to zentriathlon.com and on the right-hand side of the page, there's a link to Hornet Juice and you can buy it in a four pack, 10, like you just want to try it out, right? You see, does this stuff really work? And this is, these are the, these are the orders I get. I get four pack and then I get, uh, same person uh, a while later gets a ten pack or maybe even a twenty pack, and then a little while later thirty pack <laughs> or fifty pack, and then we get emails like like Colleen gave me uh, that I just read off. Like I'm I'm running out, man. How fast can you give me this stuff? It's awesome. I got a race coming up, and uh, so it's really amazing stuff. And a little bit comes off the top. Uh, to help the um, the Zentri uh, podcast, and it goes into the Zentri fund to do things like register for races and bring you race reports and cool news about like what's going on in the sport and how to train and how to do fun stuff and how to balance everything so that you can keep getting better and better and better. And yeah, so cool. I really, it's a really cool way for you to get something really neat and enjoy kind of kind of a novelty product, but that actually works. It's pretty neat, and um, also support the show at the same time, and show it to your friends. Stuff comes from New Zealand, and and it's made from killer Japanese hornet saliva. And your friends are like, oh my god, that is nuts. You're crazy. So that's right, I'm crazy. Stay out of my way, because it's about to get crazy all up in here with this hornet juice. <laughs> anyway, all right. That is enough of all that kind of stuff. Let's go ahead and get started with the training log. I take you with me doing a whole bunch of crazy, stupid stuff out there. Uh, I get the I get the uh, big training going on for the Rocky Raccoon. I run two days back to back, seventeen and a half miles each on trails, and I try out two different types of fueling: Vitargo, V-I-T-A-R-G-O, which uh, you'll find out. Uh, later on the show, whether I like it or not. And then on day two, I try uh, just maltodextrin powder and uh, some Gatorade mixed in with it. And I compare the two and compare the results directly on back-to-back days and uh, big epic days. And it was my final big push for Rocky Raccoon 50 training. And I take you with me during all that. So I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's get started with the training log. Everybody buckle down and here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi everybody, my name is Brett, I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself. Welcome to a new training log. Stardate. 
January 27th, 2015. And I am leaving Freebirds. Woohoo! Best burrito shop in the world. Makes uh, Chipotle look like a loaded diaper. But anyway, uh, two things going on. One, time to get a little sip of Diet Pepsi. Oh, wait. I don't eat or drink on the show anymore. Or something like that. Anyway, uh, um, I had defensive driving this morning. Half of it. I got the other half tomorrow. Um, why am I in defensive driving? Because I went through a stop sign in the middle of nowhere, Texas, on my bicycle. <laughs> so that's why I'm in defensive driving. <laughs> Anyway, if I think of some uh, defensive driving tips. Oh, you want to make somebody, uh, you want to encourage somebody to wear seatbelts in your car? Get up to, uh, I don't even know, like uh, 5 miles per hour, 10 miles per hour. Parking lot speed, you know, like really, really, really slow. Doesn't take much. Um, And then slam on your brakes. And and when they go flying across the car, go, that was at 5 miles per hour. Now, how would you enjoy your trip uh, doing that at 30? But anyway, the, uh, I digress. The uh, defensive driving is tolerable because cops try to make it uh, more fun. And, you know, and they pick good ones for the job. And, and ours is a motorcycle cop. And I just sit there and bite my tongue sometimes because there's people talking about, in California, they allow motorcycles to split lanes. And I wanted to say, yeah, well, actually, it's not that bad. Because if you're in California and you're on a motorcycle and you do it responsibly, you can... Uh, Split lanes just fine, and it saves you a ton of time in traffic, and it gets people on motorcycles, and in, uh, and less it congests the roads less, and things like that. So it's all about uh, perception is all about your location. So if you're on a motorcycle and you're splitting lanes safely, then it's the greatest thing ever, and you can't stand it that in Texas they don't allow you to do it. And if uh, you're in Texas and you see somebody split lanes on a motorcycle, you think they need to be uh, shot (laughs) because they are so stupid. But anyway, there was something else. Hold on. I wanted to talk about my baked potato trick, which is actually really cool. I had a... uh, I found out over time, you cook a baked potato in the microwave. It's super easy to do. First, scrub it. Scrub it down. Turn it over, scrub it again, you know, get all the dirt off the outside, but not too much. And you want to leave the peel on because the peel is really, really good for you. It's got a whole bunch of fiber and stuff in it and vitamins and stuff. I think the healthiest part of the potato is the peel. But anyway, five minutes in the microwave, flip it over, turn it around. Uh, another five minutes, make sure you poke holes in it first with a fork or else it'll explode. You'll have a exploding spud situation. And then, what do you do? Um... Let it cool down just a little bit, and then, if you're not going to eat it right then, throw it in a Ziploc bag, and then throw something else in that Ziploc bag that you like for flavor. Um, A1 sauce is really good. Something, you know, not, it doesn't have to be low, crazy low calorie, but just spices and stuff. Um, and I guess you could throw out a little bit of cheese or something like that in there if you're into that kind of stuff. And I do A1 or Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. Uh, Lee and Perrins, and man, I really like that. Today I had just the tiniest bit of sausage in there, mix it with it. I take a little bite of sausage and eat a uh, bite of baked potato. Anyway, so I'm sitting in driver's, I call it driver's ed, defensive driving is what I meant. And I'm in defensive driving, and uh, 
<laughs> the, the instructor asked how long we've been driving, you know, underage or not. He didn't really care. Or what age we started when we were driving. And I said, um, I don't know, like 12. <laughs> Something like that. And uh, he, everybody turned and looked at me. And I go, Alabama. And they go, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's all I had to say. It's just Alabama. And uh, then the other thing. Oh, so I reach in my bag of goodies. So I'm doing defensive driving, right? And you're... Um, I've learned, uh, Christine Lynch, holistic guru is really good about this. Uh, you're responsible for your own food intake. Okay. You know, uh, if there's any way possible for you to bring your own food with you, then it is your own. (laughs) You don't have to be a freaking victim out there and go, Oh, I had to eat a Twinkie because that's all they had. No, you can bring a bag of food with you. And the more you do it, the more you learn that food will last you know, like a day or something like that before it goes bad. And then you learn what a pansy you are over having to have things hot or cold or whatever. Just freaking room temperature, right? It's fine. Just think about cavemen walking around. They didn't heat anything or whatever. They may have a fire, cook it. But then, um, anyway, um, so I'm sitting there. I open up my Ziploc bag out of my bag next to my... Um, uh, next to my stuff on the table for this class because they said we could eat or drink in the class. They didn't care. And um, I open up uh, my bag, pull out a Ziploc bag with a baked potato in it, and I just start eating it out of the Ziploc bag like it's a 40 <laughs> in a paper bag. <laughs> and the girl sitting next to me just staring at me like, All right, and she said, Are you eating a baked potato? And I said, Yep. And she goes, Huh. Oh, yeah, it's pretty good that and uh that was it man people worry so much what other people are gonna think or say or do when you try to do something that's not normal but i can tell you that what is normal in society is usually um weak and lazy and the road to nowhere so you got to be different to actually get results that are admired or um, looked at as somewhat useful so Anyway, uh, so the baked potato trick in a Ziploc bag, man. I cooked it this morning in the microwave while I was uh, getting ready for work. And then I um, had two things happen. I finally had my Garmin uh, 920 uh, die on me just in the middle of the afternoon at work and uh, because I ran down the battery. And I think I think it's the uh, – there's two things. So when you have a Suunto Ambit and it's not Bluetooth – so like an Ambit 2 or 1 or 2, then you got to you gotta hook it up to download workouts. Well, guess what it does when you hook it up by a cable? It charges it. So I don't think I... I think maybe one time in like five years I ran out of battery with my um, Ambit. And um, I'm having to really watch it on the Garmin because you just upload workouts... And you don't ever hook it up to anything. So you, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to learn the habit of, of putting it on a charger every once in a while. Um, I guess I need to find out if you think about it. When is a good time to do it every couple of days, and then it'll become a habit. You know, like every couple of days when I do X, I put my charger on the watch, my watch on the charger, and then um, also the Bluetooth. The, the Bluetooth function that gives you alerts on your wrist 
is for me is sketchy, and I think it's because um, I use Bluetooth headphones a lot, and I think the two different Bluetooths, the headphones versus the watch, confuse the phone, and then you end up with um, with uh, the watch doesn't get alerts and stuff like that. And um, I'm also uh, it's okay. I'm a little bit over it. You know, like uh, when the last time my watch wasn't getting alerts, I was like, oh, good. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, that was weird. Why, why good? And uh, I thought, um, it's, it's annoying, man. It's freaking annoying, like the buzzing and stuff all the time and, you know, dumb alerts. And, um, and uh, it's not terribly, terribly annoying, but um, it's one of those things where... Um, when it doesn't work, I, uh, I can enjoy it not working, right? There's a Zen thing where you, you the main goal is to uh, learn to not be offended, <laughs> to be unoffendable, <laughs> which means um, the problem is, is when we have uh, opinions and strongly held beliefs about stuff, well, then you end up um, constantly defending your position or angry or upset when presented with positions that are different than your own. And if uh, you work towards uh, being amicable, I think is the word, uh, where you, you can go along with anything pretty much without it bothering you too much, then that's, that's a really nice goal to uh, work towards and to achieve. And um, so like this morning when I went for a run... I forgot to put my phone on the charger last night and my phone was dead this morning. So I need to put on a charger and knowing that I would be in classes and stuff like that. I wanted my phone to have a full charge before I left the house this morning. So I went running without my phone so that it could, um, so that it could charge up. And so I went without my phone and without my phone, then I don't have any music. So I just went running without it and it was nice, you know, and I'm like, oh, let's use this as an opportunity to, uh, to not have it and enjoy that. And so when the, uh, wa- the Bluetooth alerts don't work on the watch, it's like, oh, let's use this as an opportunity to not have it. You know, uh, when the AC is broken in your house, use it as an opportunity for, uh, to relax and do some heat training. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, uh, sometimes going without stuff, um, you know, kind of changes your perspective a little bit and it's nice. I remember, um, when Emily and I were moving back from California to um, to Texas, we uh, we had to move some stuff in a big moving van from uh, our, our house to a, a storage facility across town, San Diego, um, just briefly. And um, we had patio furniture and stuff like that in the back of our moving van. And the moving van broke down. We had a blowout on the tire or something like that. So we pulled over on the side of the freeway. And we were on uh, like 405 or uh, 80, the 8, or what they call them all. all Freeways out there, they call them all the something instead of just freeway. Um, And what I mean is in uh, Texas, Highway 45 is called 45. And in California, they would call it the 45. It's really weird. But uh, so we're on the side of the 405 or whatever it is. Um, on a, on a grassy knoll. And we, I said, Hey, let's just, uh, let's just chill, man. Let's, uh, we got chairs and patio furniture and magazines actually in the back of the moving van. So 
uh, we pulled him out and because it was going to be a while till we got help and uh, so we pulled him out on the side of the highway and uh, sat down in lawn furniture on the side of the highway uh, with all this traffic going by and read surfing magazines <laughs> while we waited <clears throat> almost set up the umbrella but uh, yeah it's cool it's a cool little uh, Zen approach to stuff. So, all right, I got to go into W to the ERK and get some stuff done. You do too. Get going. All right, back. Really nice swim this morning. Really crappy run last night, which I'll get to in a second, because the swim's more fun to talk about. So I uh, got in the pool this morning and decided just to swim constant and uh, maybe refuel along the way if I if I felt like I needed it. Otherwise, just go at a steady state. And um, I think that's good every once in a while to validate your performance, uh, your, to validate your training. And it was fantastic. I was just cruising along, uh, kind of easy at first, and then moderate, held it so that it burned just the slightest bit in the shoulders, and um, ended up swimming uh, 4,020 meters in exactly an hour and uh, it's a weird it's a weird length pool anyway that's um that's a 130 uh per 100 meter uh pace and in yards that's a 121 (laughs) so i held a 121 for a pace for an hour for 4,000 something meters it was pretty freaking cool man i got out i was like holy crap and i'm wearing the garmin and it tells you you know instantly what you're doing and then it uploads it to the interwebs uh pretty quick so that was really really nice and good validation from last night's crappy run where i started i didn't feel right even yesterday morning on the bike i didn't feel exactly right and then uh last night it compounded compound complex and then uh got worse on the run where I just didn't have any energy and um, so the uh, the self-control wise thing to do is to stop if things aren't going right um, that's how you get overtrained is you're like man I'm struggling I got to keep up my pace like I usually do and then you end up just digging a huge hole that you can never get out of until you finally stop so I just stopped and walked home and my dog kept jogging like Hey, come on! What's what's the problem, yo? And uh, I was like, "No, nah, dude, we're walking." I jogged some of the downhills back, but um, it was of course it's frustrating. And then you spend a lot of time trying to figure out what it, what happened. And honestly, I think it's um, over the past couple days because of stress and a tighter schedule. I've eaten more um, meat, like eggs, egg tacos, and stuff like that, than usual. But I've still been paying attention to not trying to eat too much. And so the ratio of, of uh, what's usable for you um, gets all out of whack. So that's a whole lot more fat and protein and nowhere near as much carbs as I'm usually used to eating. And I think the energy level just freaking just drops out of the bottom. So last night before I went to bed, I uh, stuffed my face with carbs and then crashed to sleep. Um, I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and um, on some pretty lame bread and uh, some Girl Scout cookies. I think that's about all I could take. And um, Oh, and a bowl of granola cereal. And then uh, crashed 
and then this morning knocked out this great freaking swim. So, yeah, it's pretty cool, eh? Oh, and then last night, um, oh, is that a Ducati? No, that's a Moto Guzzi. Nice bike, yo. I bet you that's a Moto Guzzi. Cool. Um, my old boss had a Moto Guzzi El Dorado uh, California Highway Patrol Edition from the 70s. That's what they originally used in uh, Chips, the TV show. And then as the show went on, they switched over to Harleys. But at first, they were using uh, Moto Guzzi's. So, um, I used to ride motorcycles. Then, uh, oh, Kai asked me last night. Something was said about meditation. And, uh, and he... But I wasn't saying meditation. It was a different word entirely that sounded like meditation. I don't remember, I don't remember what it was. I was talking to Emily. And then... Kai goes, you meditate <laughs> like that? And I go, yeah, actually I do sometimes. And he goes, what? And I said, yeah, you want to try it? And he goes, uh, nah, I guess so. And I go, come on, let's go do it. And he goes, no, I don't want to. And then, <laughs> and then I made him. <laughs> I'm in charge. I'm 42. You're 10. You're going to do what I say. And so, um, I took him into a, into a quiet room and the dogs came in there too. And they were just sitting there just panting, you know? And then, um, I showed them that you can sit cross-legged and do the thing where you touch your thumb to your four fingers and stuff and try to sit upright and then your butt's on the ground and then your feet are on the ground underneath you. So that's three points of contact. Unless you count your butt as two points with each butt cheek, but they tend to count that as one. And then, um, um, and I said, this is classic meditation that you'll hear and see, you know, people talking about. Um, And I said, but actually... All this is, is to try to create something for you to focus on um, so that as you try to focus on it, and then uh, you'll find you have something to focus on. And it's, it's slightly difficult, and that's the whole point, is, or moderately difficult. It's something moderately difficult that you try to focus on, and then you'll realize that your mind drifts away, and then... Um, because you know the whole drill is to focus on the thing, the sitting, then um, you remember to bring your mind back. And I said, that's the drill. And that's meditation. And I said, but Zen masters will tell you that it's a trick, uh, that people get caught up in um, trying to focus on the breath and then try to get, try to get um, <sighs> excellent at not thinking about anything else you know, and then feel, uh, more accomplished if they can think about nothing else and then, uh, and then feel like they've failed every time that, that, um, you get, you start, your mind starts drifting and the Zen masters will tell you that it's actually the opposite of that, that it's supposed to teach you that you can't control your mind. So every time your mind drifts away, that's another reminder that you're not in charge. And it's all a trick. It's all a trick about how... Just a a reaffirmation that what's going on is the monkey mind. And that your goal in life is to not let the monkey mind run away with your mind and not to believe in it. That's really what's going on. And then I said, and then the way I use it is to uh, calm the mind. And then the whatever the monkey mind's yelling about that pulls you away from trying to... um, and I, I just sit up in bed and uh, leaning my back against the headrest. And, um, and I showed him that. 
I said the uh, the monkey mind is yelling about. Those are things that are taking up brain cycles. And if you take care of those things, then you'll be a much calmer and uh, person and able to pay attention and get more stuff done and, and uh, be relaxed and enjoy life. And I said, and that is it. And he was like, that's pretty cool. And I said, yeah, just do it every once in a while. Sit down and uh, um, think of, try to think of nothing. And oh, and I said, uh, so we did that. Try to think of nothing. And then what are the things that come to mind when you try to think of nothing? Those are the things you need to take care of. And after a while, he goes, I got to do this book report. <laughs> I go, yeah. Now, let's say you start working on that. Um, after we're done here, you're going to, your mind is going to, and heart and soul is going to be so happy because you're working on the things that are truly bothering you when you try to do nothing else. Um, those are the things that keep interrupting your flow and, uh, you take care of those things and then you're able to uh, have a better day. And he's like, ah, oh, cool. So then this, uh, so late last night, right before he went to bed, I said, Hey, anytime you want to meditate, man, you can do it anytime you can sit in class and get quiet. You can, um, uh, well, mostly I said just class or you get home you can turn off the TV and just kind of do that anywhere you're sitting, just kind of relax and Try to think of nothing, and whatever pops up is uh, what you need to take care of. Anytime, any place, man. At an, I told him about the airport. If you can do it at the airport, then you're a real master with all the distractions going on. And uh, he was like, yeah, cool. All right, that's it. I got to go. Bye. All right. I just did a three-hour trail run. We're going to talk about it for a second. Oh, I was warm. Now I'm cold. I'm in the Zentri Mobile Studios, the Nissan Xterra, and I'm... About to put it in gear and drive across a pasture. These trails are at a farm that's slowly, eventually turning into a um, recreation park. Trails, mountain biking. There was a high school mountain biking group, like a cl- like a club, high school from the local high school that was all out mountain biking. <coughs> uh, then, uh, anyway, three-hour trail run on the way here. I ate an Amrita bar for fuel, which ended up being great, man. It was exactly what I needed. And, uh, Amrita bars, I should give them a plug. Um, you get 15% off Amrita bars with discount code ZEN at AmritaHealthFoods.com. What is my watch saying? Power save. Uh, the Garmin 920 worked. Uh, fine. I did live tracking, uh, before I took off running. And, um, for, for working out, I like liquid fuel a lot. I'll do Amrita bars and stuff, but a lot of times I like uh, liquid fuel and I made a batch of the Targo V I T A R G O for the Targo. I'm not recommending it. Okay. Just cause I started talking about it. Don't, doesn't mean I'm recommending it. I haven't figured out how to use this stuff yet. Um, it works and it works great, but it's when you mix it, it, is clumpy, sticky, messy. I mean, the stuff is just, uh, it's a disaster. It's the worst performing, um, as far as handling and getting it into your freaking mouth, it's the worst performing ever. But on the other hand, it might be the best performing, uh, let me close the window here. It might be the best performing fuel as far as keeping your stomach from getting sick. And that's a big problem I have. And, uh, so I'm trying to work on it, on how to do it. So let me let me tell you about some of the hilarity while I was out there. So I mixed it too thick, and I have it in a flask, 
and I can't get it out of the flask. It sets up like pancake batter, like cookie dough. And uh, I can't get it to come out. And so I start uh, using, um, a st- break off a stick and I'm pouring water into the bottle and jamming the stick up and down like I'm churning butter. And this stuff is so weird. It's like slimy. And then once you mix it once, it doesn't want to mix again unless you, um, like, and when you got to mix it up pretty, you don't have to, but the best way to mix it is in a blender, you know, and I used a, a cake mixer, um, the past few times I've made it. And then the, if you're making a gel out of it, a concentrated mix, uh, if you get the flavored kind, it is so sweet and it's a sick, gross sweet that, um, cause I think they use aspartame as a sweetener. And I'm like, man, just use sugar, you know? Because <laughs> the whole thing is it's sugar-free. But but, but it's... Um, but basically, it's barley. And it's uh, barley starch that's been a uh, proprietary, you know, all that stuff, uh, method of, of heating it and tempering it. So it gives you... Um, what it does is it gives you... They say... In, different parts of the literature it's fast release or slow release i can't tell what the hell is going on with this stuff but it freaking works and um but let me figure out a way <laughs> to get it to work because it's also expensive before you go off trying it and uh, uh i'm i'm kind of where i'm at now is i'm at uh you if you want to mix it into a gel uh, make sure it's a gel that's like syrup and buy the unflavored and add like Gatorade powder or honey to it or something like that to flavor it yourself and then um, and give it a little bit of light flavor and then you might be all right. So anyway, um, if you let it sit out too long and too thick, it'll freaking turn into a hard, hardened gel like a goo chomp, uh, which some people might like. So I don't know. Um Anyway, it's it's expensive, so it's a little much to be playing around with and trying to figure it out on your own and throwing money away while you're doing it. So uh, I'll report back on if I ever get the stuff to uh, to to work right. I had a bike ride last night, just using maltodextrin powder and honey that was just freaking off the charts. So I'm not convinced that this is the best stuff. But anyway, um, when I did um, eat too much or uh, not drink enough water. Um, I would get the slightest pain in my stomach, but it was only very, very, very slight. And, um, it easily went away. And this is my second workout that I've gone long. And then at the end of the workout, been able to go really hard and, uh, and not had problems, you know, like, like, uh, felt fine. So, um, what it doesn't seem to do is allow me to raise my heart rate up real high and hammer hard. I think it might be a little bit too slow acting for that. So I got a lot of stuff bouncing around in my head on how to do the Rocky Raccoon with this stuff. But anyway, trail running. I just got a new pair of Energy Boost, Adidas Energy Boost. And they're working fine. It's trail running shoes. And um, I ordered them straight from adidas.com. And um, the biggest thing that I've been working on is drinking more water with my fuel so that my stomach doesn't hurt. And um, you're talking a liter per hour at least, liter and a half, and um, 
I wasn't quite drinking that much because I wanted to go out and trail run. <laughs> so I went out a trail and then back for 45 minutes. Well, out 45 minutes and back 45 minutes. So that was an hour and a half. And then I did it again uh, the other direction, out and back. Uh, so ended up with three hours. And was just cruising along just fine, you know. Um, I ran out of water towards the end of both runs. And... Um, uh, Ended up being just fine, and uh, usually with um, super simple sugar kind of crap, uh, your stomach will start hurting and all that, all that kind of stuff. So I was, I was happy to see that. Um, I am not sponsored by Jaybirds. I just use the heck out of them. I want to give them another plug, a uh, thumbs up. Running along, I'm listening to Asian meditation music for a long time, <laughs> and then with the last uh, 20 minutes or something like that. Um, I put it on uh, thrash metal, which is uh, like Metallica and Pantera. I see two runners in the, over the horizon, and uh, I've learned to uh, hold that kind of stuff off till the end, um, or else you'll end up going too hard early and then get hurt or get sick or you know, dehydrated or something like that. But anyway, so I'm just jogging along, jamming out, and these are Bluetooth wireless uh, phones, and I'm listening, yeah, to Pandora. And phone rings, and um, the Garmin 920 shows on it that it was that it's Emily calling. <laughs> this is really cool technology. And then the um, so I hit the button on the side of the headphones on the cord. Uh, there, there's a cord that runs between the two earpieces, and that's it. And uh, Emily's like, "Where the heck are you?" And I'm like, uh, "You're live tracking me, right?" She's like, "Well, yeah, but where are you?" Uh, I did it. I published it as a live track before I got going, and I was like, uh, "Well, I'm running, you know." And she said, "But you've been gone like an hour or two hours or something." There's a spider on my eyeglasses. Hold on, dude. It's not a spider. It's a housefly. It's Teensy the housefly, and. Um, I said, uh, okay, um, but I'm going long, three hours today, trail running, as my last long uh, trail run. And she's like, I need you to get back so that you can uh, uh, help me put stuff in the attic and da da da. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I got about 25 minutes left, I think is what I had on the trail. And then I'm leaving the parking lot and then I'll be at the house. And, and I said, cool. And that's really cool. All that technology, hands-free, working, uh, super smooth. Um, it's a little expensive right now, but at least it's mass consumer, and so it'll keep going down in price as competition starts picking up, trying to get it to happen. And I think that was about it for the run. Um, when you're going long on stuff like that, uh, you got to restrain yourself. And you know, when you're and long is relative. It's whatever's long for you. So a three-hour run is pretty long for me. And it's on trails, you know. So you, you start off going really, really easy. And just like you're sightseeing, just cruising along, just easy. And it feels too easy at first. But if it's long for you, it is going to hurt at the end. And it started to, you know, kind of mess with me a little bit. And uh, I think I ran... Uh, three hours and one minutes. Oh, it ended up being um, pretty much exactly the the um, the time for uh, doing a loop of the Rocky Raccoon 50. So I was actually a little bit ahead of pace if I was trying to break my old PR of 940 
you know, at that pace, I was doing a, a 905 or something like that. And um, so that would be a huge PR break for me. But you got to watch out for that stuff, man. It feels good one lap. <laughs> stuff starts coming undone, dude, <laughs> as you keep going. It gets messy there uh, towards the end. I got little twinges of pain here and there. My butt cheeks hurt for a little bit. You know, that's kind of like upper hamstring kind of stuff. And then uh, my outside of my right knee is, has always been a little bit uh, weird. It gets weird and starts hurting and stuff like that. A little bit of tendonitis in there, always. And then uh, the front of one of my knees started hurting. But anyway, the, uh, the very last part of the run, um, I kind of did it on purpose, sort of took advantage of it, thought it might happen this way, is uh, like a seven-minute hill or something like that. And so I ran up that at um, not as totally fast as I could go but because I'd been out of water for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. and uh, But I ran up it pretty strong uh, to finish as a good test. And uh, that's how I knew that the fueling was pretty good and everything was nice. So that is how you do a trail run for training for something. All right, I'm at the house. I'm going to have a Sierra Nevada pale ale. Oh, the um, last weekend I did a whole bunch of stuff and then for a few days in the middle of the week I felt like crap man and so I really upped, I think I already talked about this, I really upped the carbs and stuff to recover and it worked. Um, it took about a day but then bam man I felt freaking awesome and um, bouncing off the walls around the house and stuff so it's uh, it works, it works, it works, it works. You got to stay on top of your carbs. All right, that's it, out, Bing. All right, it is Sunday morning, just one day from yesterday, and I'm going to head back out and run the trails again. Yesterday's uh, run was three-hour run, um, was pretty good, and now I'm going to try to improve on it. And if I do uh, Saturday and Sunday back-to-back days of three hours... Um, that should be, <laughs> uh, well, then that gives me five days of recovery before I do the, um, before I do the actual Rocky Raccoon. But I have a big, big news-ish, I don't know if it's really news, but a big find where I found my detailed, super in-depth notes from the Rocky Raccoon 50 of 2013, which would be two years ago where I had my best ever uh, race results. And hold on, it's uh, the car windows are foggy. It rained a little bit last night, so the trails are going to be a little bit muddy, which is a good, it's a good, uh, it's good training grounds, make the trails just a little bit tougher than they need to be. Um, and I mean like super detailed because I did so well and my recovery the next days was off the charts. I, I had in my notes that I was jumping around on a trampoline and had tons of energy and stuff like that, which is really, really perfect for knowing what I did uh, so that when I do the Ultra Baby, which is an Ultraman, because that's three days in a row of about nine hours probably, of how I did it. Okay, so the, the most interesting stuff was I used coarse nutrition, which was gels. And then in there, I was like, man, I was sick of freaking gels by the time I was done. <laughs> but anyway, I can, and then in there, it said, make your own fuel that's like gels. 
um, because when you're going through their gels, it's um, there's a mixed bag of caffeine, and I had to really argue at aid stations like where is the non-caffeine ones because if you keep taking caffeine you're going to get sick and you have to pick through all the gels that have caffeine so you don't take too much caffeine to try to find some that don't have caffeine and it sucks it really does suck because then you seem like a picky jerk at the aid station um uh you know and the volunteers don't need that from from racers they they need nice racers anyway so make your own gel and then i said my stomach hurt uh, off and on from it and I should drink more water and um, today I'm going to try that I'm going to try uh, a method to uh, bring extra water to me I'll tell you about after the after the run and then um, so I made my own fuel last night I'm not using Vitargo I've decided that that is just such a pain in the ass that um, and yesterday afternoon and evening I was pretty much t- I was tired you know and uh uh, tired-ish and um, didn't get much done and I think that's just from not enough calories while I was I was running and that was only a three-hour run you know and then um, uh, my mix of fuel which is maltodextrin Gatorade powder um, and a little bit of green tea mixed in for caffeine is uh, green tea powder which is uh, matcha M-A-T-C-H-A is uh, good stuff and I'm going to mix a little bit I'm going to take half of a Tums and see how my stomach feels and then um, what was my point? my point is I'm going out for a second day with a, a change in fueling to see if this is better than the day before and back to back days is uh, good stuff, and also having taken notes from and find being able to find the notes is huge. From previous uh, days, is going to be really really nice. Man, it rained a lot. Crap, man, it's going to be mud fest out there. Anyway, um, so take take notes on stuff that works, and then uh, work with it. Oh, um, Ian Sharman won the Rocky Raccoon 100 yesterday. They do the 100 and the 50 on different weekends. And he ran it in like 13 hours and 33 minutes, which is like a very low eight-minute mile (laughs) for 100 miles (laughs) on trails. Isn't that crazy that somebody can just do that, run eight-minute miles on trails for, um, uh, for 100 miles? You know, for 13 hours, 13 and a half hours. That's not even the record. The record's a 12-something that uh, he almost broke uh, a few years ago. So Ian's uh, from from the UK, and uh, he lives in America right now. <sighs> anyway, all right, I'll be back in a bit. Oh, I should say, um, I was, I've been meaning to dig up this uh, my uh, notes from this race, uh, with the fueling because uh, it's been a while and I'm like man if I could just do this for an Ironman you're talking uh, my my um, Rocky 50 in 2013 I got in the top 13% that's where I landed top 13% of um, racers right and I'm not I'm not a very good runner <laughs> I'm just a I'm a better runner now than I was then 
and uh, and I'm not a very good, I'm not a great runner. You know, I'm 182 pounds. You know, I'm not a 130 pound, 140 pound little scrawny guy. And I got top 13 percent. And the graph, I was using a Sunto Ambit, and the graph for my heart rate um, and effort and all that stuff was just a, a flat level line around 130 something beats per minute. And then as the race continued on, my speed, you, there's also my speed graph and you can compare all of them at once. Um, continued on, flat level, just awesome. And then at the very end of the race, the last half of the last lap, um, I started to increase the effort and increase the pace. And you can see the heart rate just climb gradually. So there was no bottoming out, um, no failure and uh, with those detailed notes of exactly what I did and how, that's something that you could replicate on the um, in an Ironman, right? So that was almost it was nine hours and thirty-seven minutes. So that's um, that's a sub ten-hour Ironman. Exactly how um, I fueled and what I did to uh, make it happen, you know. And if you could do that in a fifty-mile trail run race, then you can do that. You could remove a lot of that running and add in, dude, biking? I mean, come on. It's way easier than running. And then uh, swimming, uh, you know, you're in a cool bath of nice, cool water. You know, just cruising along, having a nice time. Um, yeah, so in my eternal quest for a sub-10-hour um, Ironman, um, it was awesome to dig up these notes. So I'm super excited. And uh, we'll see how it pans out. You know, every race day is different. But it was good to find them and, and find that one time I, I did what worked. <laughs> I did something that worked really well. Um, it was basically gels to uh, by feel. And then um, if, if I was going up a big hill, I took a little bit more gel and then kind of recovered on the way down. And it worked great. And I just wished that I drank a little bit more water because my stomach freaking hurt. And I was doing nearly uh, four gels per hour. <laughs> but that's that thing where it's like you got to learn to uh, cram in calories, you know. And if you learn to cram in calories, you can go faster and stronger. And uh, it doesn't seem like fun, but it, but it works. Okay, out. Let's go for a test run. Oh, in my notes, I know this is going on and on. In my notes, I, I'm just so excited about this. I, um, I had in there that the... Um, the night before, I uh, ate vegetarian pizza at a restaurant, and I have the restaurant in there, and um, I don't want to say it because I don't want to get the place booked up before the race. <laughs> I want to make sure I can find the seat. Um, and uh, and then also what I ate for breakfast, I had raisin bran with coconut milk and a bagel, and then uh, hornet juice and beet, it, beet juice um, as something to sip on before the race. Uh, before we got going. So, all right, that's it, Bing. All right, I'm back. That was very successful. Wow, I'm standing outside my Nissan Xterra with the door open, trying to stay out of the wind. Got a nice breeze, sunny day, partly cloudy, about 50-50. Uh, 60 degrees probably right now. Started off, no, started off around 60-something degrees. And, uh... Yeah, it really, really worked. Um, I'll detail here. 
Um, but you can tell it worked because when I finished, I, I ran 17.4 miles in three hours and 20 seconds or something like that, which is a, hey, there's a squirrel, <laughs> literally squirrel. There, there's a, uh, back to back days of running this on trail 17 miles. And I felt better today than yesterday. Um, so yesterday, the whole time I was running on this Vitargo stuff, I had slight tunnel vision. Like I wasn't getting quite enough calories. And then today, um, most of the time I was, had very clear vision and that's an indicator to me that I'm fueling right. When I start under fueling, I get just the tiniest bit foggy and the tiniest bit, uh, problem tracking my vision a little bit. And it's just low blood sugar getting to the brain. And, uh, and then you can really tell it worked because <laughs> when I finished, I dropped all my stuff on the, in the grass in the meadow. I'm in a clover and grass meadow. And I, uh, ended up after a second stretching my arms out like Jesus <laughs> and then spinning lazily in the sunshine, like a girl that a little girl that had just found her best unicorn, you know? So I was like, ah, that's a good sign. And, uh, almost the entire run I was, um, singing out loud to myself i i came upon a huge deer and uh and also there's lots of uh signs uh grass and dirt rooted up which is a sign that there's wild boar out here and um, they tend to stay away from people but you don't want to come around a corner and surprise one because they will f you up and um and they're like 500 pounds you know so um so i started singing out loud <laughs> And that's, that's my best indicator that my fueling is well. If I'm spontaneously singing out loud and, and all that kind of stuff and humming to myself, then my fueling is right on track. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, at the very beginning, I drank uh, too much fuel and my stomach started to hurt. And uh, so I just drank water um, until it went away. And I think the improvement there, what I used to do that was wrong, was I just wouldn't eat anything. And then I would get more dehydrated. Um, and then, uh, but doing, um, water on top of that, I went away and then I ended up feeling fine. So, um, my fuel was maltodextrin powder, like, uh, three fourths maltodextrin powder, one fourth Gatorade powder with, uh, some sea salt, extra sea salt added in and a little green tea matcha powder. And, um, because day, this was day two, I took a couple of ibuprofen, I spaced them out and, uh, one at the beginning and one halfway through and that took the edge off of it a little bit. And also, um, oh, I was doing live tracking. So Emily knew where I was. And then, um, you know, it may sound a little nuts to be running 17 and a half miles back to back the weekend before my race, but actually, um, I feel fine and it's a, uh, it's not that hard. I wasn't, you know, pushing it. Um, oh, the very last hill I did push it to see how my fuel was holding up and it felt great. Oh, and the extra water really helped a lot. I was carrying, um, every time I left my car, I was carrying 46 ounces of, uh, fluids and fuel. That's a lot but it's worth it. And that's what you have to do to get stuff done sometimes. And where's my car keys? Okay. And, um, 
so while I was running, I was like, well, what, what kind of training would you call this, you know? Um, uh, I would say long, but gentle, but firm. Um, it was uh, not huge hills, but just little gullies kind of here and there. And, um, and then long, gentle climbs. And so I was able to push it at the pace I wanted to, to give myself a good workout and, and all that stuff. And um, this will almost be the end of the show. We uh, will be able to tell if this was good fueling if I'm bouncing off the walls this afternoon uh, and when I get home. Um, you know that thing where I was like spinning around in the meadow with my arms out after I was all done? Like that at home um, uh, later on. Uh, so yesterday's fueling wasn't good because um, with the Vitargo because I was, uh, um, I felt just the tiniest bit you know, not, not quite a hundred percent aware in there. And that's a sign that you're under fueling. And then yesterday afternoon, I kind of lazed around the house and got nothing done in spite of needing to get a whole bunch of stuff done. And, uh, um, that's how you can tell for sure. Because in my notes for the Rocky Raccoon, where I did the 50 and, um, did really, really well in there, it says that the next day, Oh, that night I went to go watch UFC fights with friends at a bar. And then the next day I was jumping on the trampoline with my son and just having a good old time, you know? So, <laughs> um, uh, that's, that's good fueling because it helps you recover and keep going. So that's what I want. We'll see later on today. All right. I'm going to drive home, have a beer and some leftover, uh, vegetarian pizza from last night. All right. Out bang. Oh, and of course I'm back. Um, the other thing that is really cool is if you do um, challenging days back to back to back to back to back and you do them okay and you improve on it, it's a really good confidence builder. Um, my biggest training that I ever did for anything was um, three days in a row of five hours each swimming in a pool to train for the uh, Lake Tahoe swim. So what that ended up being was 11 miles a day on the dot, um, five hours, um, for three days in a row. And then by, um, so that's 33 miles, right? And by the end of that, by the third day, I got a feeling of how to do this. You know, about halfway through the third day, I was like, okay, this is a pace. This freaking hurts, but I can do it. And, um, and this, this, I'll be okay. You know, I figured out how to fuel. I figured out how to just keep going and how to do it. And so, um, and then it was a real confidence builder because I always say, uh, Lake Tahoe was 22 miles and I swam 33 miles just over three days, you know? Um, so I could probably swim 22 miles in one day if I kind of slowed it down a little bit and, and uh, it'll be all right. And it ended up being perfect. Um, so two days back to back of, because somebody's a lot more gentle, of long runs um, and getting your fueling kind of nailed down is a huge confidence builder. And then what, what you end up doing is you learn what's the right pace and what you're capable of so that on race day, you don't do something stupid like um, go out too fast. You know, you've learned to appreciate that uh, what your speed really is and then... And that it's okay. It's okay to go this slow because in the end, you know, you're going to freaking hurt. So, all right, that's it. Out, bang. 
All right, let's go ahead and wrap up this show. Woo! Man, lots of stuff happening uh, as we get within six days of the race. Five days, six days. Anyway, it's Monday morning. I'm driving to work. I'm stuck at a red light. But let's see. How did recovery go after that big run yesterday uh, compared to the day before? So I remember the day before, I was feeling all sluggish and blah, blah, blah. And then yesterday, I got home and I wasn't quite bouncing off the walls, but it was way different. Um, I took Kai to... Um, drop things, uh, drop him off at cycling practice. And I was on his bike <laughs> riding loops around a few of the kids while they were throwing the football. You know, those are all just indicators. And uh, I felt uh, just great and fine and, and got a bunch of coaching done and stuff like that. I was still tired and um, went to bed early. And then this morning really didn't feel like going swimming. But uh, my hours last week totaled to almost 15 hours so which is nice that you can add all this stuff up so yeah uh, fueling was way better and still uh, managed to not get in enough water and I could tell because uh, when I after I turned off the mic and I was driving along and I took a big glug of water I had a sharp pain in my gut and that's um, in my case that's uh, water activating the fuel and then the fuel hitting hitting the uh, stomach lining now at an ability for the stomach to start working with it and it freaking hurt <clears throat> I've noticed that happens um, if I get backed up with fuel and not enough not enough uh, water to digest it like on the way home from races or stuff like that so I'm pretty excited uh, about everything especially when I, I started thinking about that um, you know that 17 and a half miles that I ran a little bit faster than my Rocky Raccoon pace. That was by GPS. And um, GPS doesn't take into account uh, the exact amount of twisting and turning that a, that a race, that a twisty course actually has. So I, I could have actually been going faster. And today, my quads aren't sore at all, which has to do with um, doing the polarized training and doing intervals to make my quads sore. And, uh, yeah, it seems like uh, the work I did over the weekend toughened me up um, without too much adverse effect. And speaking of training and, and uh, being tough and um, healthy and fit, I'd like to give a shout-out to a show sponsor, Sound Probiotics, soundprobiotics.com, sound, S-O-U-N-D. They have a sport version of probiotics, and what this does is it's a, it's a little capsule, and it's got... Uh, healthy happy bacteria in it that they've picked out specifically for athletes because athletes are different we're living life uh, actively and doing all kinds of fun crazy stuff and the kinds of food we need and that we use the nutrients that we use are different than just a, a lazy person and we um, we really appreciate this this is good stuff so uh, Having the right bacteria in your gut helps you digest your food and beefs up your immune system dramatically so that uh, you don't get sick as much. And I'm really excited about that because if you're not sick, guess what you're doing? You're getting stuff done and you're training and you're not missing races and stuff. So let's keep our fingers crossed that this all works. You can get, <laughs> it's scientifically it works. 
But I'm just saying, Rocky Raccoon coming up, you know, you never know, you know, what's going to happen before the race. The weather looks like it's going to be cool in the morning and then warm as the day goes on. And um, you can get Sound Probiotics 10% off, I think. It's either 10 or 15%. I'm driving. I don't have it on me. I think it's 10% off with discount code ZENTRY at soundprobiotics.com. Go check it out. Okay, so next episode... We are going to be doing the Rocky Raccoon. I will be taking um, the mic with me during parts of it, uh, listening to my old show. I didn't record anything during the race because I was so intent on racing that um, there's a real risk that I may not record anything while running this time as well. But Kai is going to be doing the kids race, the one-mile trail run the day before... And we'll have a little bit of audio just kind of here and there. And uh, so that'll be the gist, the main thread of uh, next week's episode. So it's an ultra marathon on trails, 50 miles. Should take about as long as an Ironman. So we'll put fueling and training to the test and see what happens. So that'll be a really cool show. I am very happy to have everybody along at Zentri and... Really appreciate people listening in and chiming in on Twitter. I'm Zen Triathlon on Twitter and also ZenTriathlon.com. So, everybody, whew, that was a lot of talking. <laughs> I'll lose my breath. I guess this weekend was pretty hard. It's 35 miles of running altogether on trails. Um, everybody, stay safe out there, work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. And thanks everybody for listening to Zen Tribe. Stay safe.